Hello, and welcome to the In the Can podcast. My name is Devin. I'm here with Tom. Hey, what's going on? And James. Hey, hello. And we're a bunch of nerds still sitting in a basement, still pretending that we're important. <laughs> How you guys doing? Pretty good. It's actually a nice warmish day outside. Yeah, for Michigan. It's still probably like 35, but... That's not, it's, not, it's not freezing, is it, Devin? Nope. Nice speak. and ice murky, uh, melted ice weather. Woohoo! <laughs> so, without further ado, let's just jump into this previous weekend. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Yep. Hidden uh, World. The Hidden World, which finally came out after what feels like an hour or a year and a half of trailers and all of that. Yeah. I won't lie, I only saw a trailer, like the beginning of one, about a month ago. A month ago, man, it's been out. That trailer's been out for like almost two years now, it feels like. Yeah. I legitimately have only, I only saw something about a month ago. I was like, oh, hey, cool. New, tra- new Hot Train Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it's I remember. supposed to come out, what, last summer? Something like that. I would not be surprised. And then I still remember seeing the poster up at the theater and going, <laughs> oh, they're coming out with another one. This is great. I wonder when it's going to come out. Looked at the date. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then I kept on getting asked for like several months after. Isn't How to Train Your Dragon coming out? I have no idea. That's a great question. Maybe yeah. we should call the studio. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely felt like it was supposed to come out during the summer, and then they're like, you know what? Let's just kick it into February next year, which is usually like where they dump crappy movies. But February, February is the month movies go to die. That or, yeah, January and February. And January, September. February, December. December, usually not. Usually you get big movies in December. Yeah, September, family films. Yes. Late August, early September, you get the dumping event. The, yeah. the last big one I could think of that was February was Deadpool. And uh, that was, that was kind of... Really, was it? Mm-hmm. I believe it came out MLK weekend? I think so. I Then I thought that was March, I guess. Yeah, it definitely came out during Black History Month. <laughs> That's all I'll say on that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that definitely came out almost a year ago now. Um... February's actually been getting some decent movies, but... That's good. What'd you think of How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World? I title. actually enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was better than uh, the second movie was, for sure. Not saying a whole lot, but okay. Um, it was almost as good as the first one. Okay. For a lot of points. There was a couple points where it kind of dragged. Um, the middle of the movie kind of dragged for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I liked that uh, for once the studio actually had the um, wherewithal and the uh, uh, low-hanging fruit to finally decide to bring it things to a close. Yeah, um, it definitely actually felt like a, the ending of a trilogy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not, felt- hey, we'll leave this open to another one. Yeah, it felt like they finally built up towards something and was like, well, we've told our story. We're, we're glad that you've been along for this ride. And we're glad that we can finally close it out for you. Here you yeah. go. And wrapped it up really nice. You see it? Uh, I have not seen it, but that's because I didn't quite like where two went. So I was just kind of waiting. And it's like, okay, how is this one going to play out? Hearing, hearing Tom... Just, just give love to it. I probably will see it now. But yeah, the second one kind of was like you had such a good ending with the first one, and then this is how you decide to continue it. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, the second one wasn't that great. The third one, I really liked. Uh, there were some of the secondary characters, like Roughnut, Toughnut, and whoever Jack Black plays, that were kind of like, okay, you can all shut up now. Let's get back to the main. Snarf- Snarf- Snot, that was it. Yeah, I knew it was an SN thing. Roughnut, Toughnut are the twins. Jack Black's character, and then uh, Christopher Mintz Black's character. I just love that. It's like, uh, it's Nick not, Levin's character, the fat guy. Yeah. I love how it's not It's not natural. It, it's not the character name. It's like, ah, uh, Jack Black. It felt like Jack Black doing a character. Oh. And those four, eh. Like, I love Astrid. I love Hiccup. I loved the villain. I thought the villain was really cool. Snot out. Yeah. And then, I loved the, the assassin villain. I thought he was really cool. But Oh, Grimmel? I thought Grimmel was really cool. Yeah, that's uh, F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. I liked that. But then when they got to the supporting cast, like the scene with uh, Kristen Wiig's character, I can't remember if she's Rough Nut or Tough Nut. But, uh, uh, rough Nut. Um, her annoying him, it just went on for like three minutes of her just motor mouth and crap. It's like, come on, get back to the story. Right. You're going to oh. get let out. They're going to follow you back. And they do just that. I'm like, we just get to that. That's don't show a, or like show us, don't tell us. And that's all that scene was. It's just her ripping. Yeah. I almost think he, from that sound, one, it sounds like that scene from Tom and Dumber. Just eh. the other Come thing on. is you could probably, you could probably start with about 10 seconds of her doing that. Cut to someone's just annoyed face and then cut to whatever. They could have cut it out and then had her arrive. Wait, how did you get here? They just let me out. I just annoyed him until they let me out. Were you followed? Mm. Well, her line is, I never look back. Yeah. And then back up just like, back. oh, God, no. <laughs> That's actually funny. Yeah, and it's like they should have just kept that and then dropped the scene before it. Yeah, because you see Hiccup's face of, no. And then all of a sudden you see Astrid right over her shoulder. And the like look of understanding comes over her face and she just goes, oh, God. And then they look over the cliffside and just shit. Yeah, there's everyone. Yeah. Um, and like, that's, that's that would have been better, but the whole scene with her just riffing and how being like the pompous ass self, I'm like, eh, it's not fun. It's not yeah. like, meh. I like the fact that Kit Harrington's character wasn't like trying to steal the scenes. Yeah, um, I, I liked him in this one. I and then I also liked the little back and forth between um, Snotlout and Balka. Um, the mom. The mom, which is played by Kate Blanchett. I thought she was good. I, I still visually think that the, the mother's character is very well designed. So Yeah. I love um, the armor. I love that kind of tribal and the, the paint on the side of her. Um, yeah. I thought that, that was really cool. and her, I loved their armor. I yes. Their armor was awesome. Yes. The dragon armor. Uh, the whole idea of them using dragon armor and doing some of the things that they do throughout the movie that drives the story as to why they're trying to do certain things and how the bad guys get involved. Um, that was a really good uh, decision on the studios and the writers part to go with that. Visually, it was beautiful. Um, very well designed. Uh, it, there were points where I was sitting there going, I've seen similar designs for um, armor in movies from uh, like uh, 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 Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves uh, for some of the helmet designs. Um, 
I've seen similar designs in video games. Uh, the Volca's armor very much reminded me of uh, the dragon armor from um, Mass Effect 3. Uh, or two, I think it was. Oh, the, uh, the, that's uh, a reference to the, Dragon Age. Yeah, the yeah. DLC Dragon Age armor that you could get for it. Um, I thought that was like it very much was mirroring that type of design. It was beautiful to look it at. It reminded me of a lot of the armor reminded me of Monster Hunter. <laughs> like the yeah. the Gigante armor that has all these like spikes on it, and there were definitely some times where like people had these weird claws and they like put their hand on someone's shoulder. It's like. Those are gonna impale someone's face sometime you do this. That's the point. God, you know nothing of aesthetics. It was funny, it was like this on the wrist, and nobody can see it right now, but it's like if you move your fist, there's just this giant claw attached to your wrist, and it's like that's just really weird. But yeah, it's gonna hurt someone. Oh yeah, that's it's gonna hurt point. someone, but yeah. yeah, and one of the other th- things that I thought was cute and funny at the same time, um and genius even uh to come up with was uh, one of the ways that it seemed that the, they could keep the dragons from eating all the sheep was to actually make yeah. the sheep yeah. look like dragons by putting dragon costume things on their backs. <laughs> I'm a dragon in sheep clothing. Wait. Right, and there's a point where they're on a ship and a sheep it comes up with this dragon uh, costume thing on and kind of looks over the side and is like, normally like a dog with its head out the window, kind of like, oh, the wind! And you see a dragon flying along next to it, and it looks over and goes, "Okay, never mind. Maybe I'm not a dragon on the wind. I'm just gonna go back <laughs> to being a sheep now." It's still sheepish. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It, you could hear audibly kind of through the. Things were pretty fun. Yeah. You could hear audibly through the uh, audience that I was with that little like chuckle of uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a overall a pretty fun movie. It's just. Some of the secondary characters detracted from the movie, and there were a lot of times where some of the humor got in the way of the storytelling, which is usually a problem for DreamWorks, I find. Yeah. Like, Shrek had that problem, too, where they had, they threw in jokes that would sideline the story for a bit, and the secondary characters would be more annoying than they are helpful, and Dragon kind of definitely has that. Yeah, they also had... Secondary characters, um, especially when it came to the bad guys, that didn't really under like you didn't understand what their purpose was and why they were there or their motivation for doing anything or how they even fit into the big picture. You want an of army of dragons? Okay. Yeah, well, and uh, then who are you people? Like, I don't understand who you are and how you all know everybody. Like, that's that's a cool cool story, bro. First off, who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are you? Why are you hiring these people? And uh, what? Why do you want this? Like, I don't get it. Uh, I, I kind of hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Just stuff. The worst part is you can probably almost guarantee that they had all that stuff written out, but a couple things got cut, sliced, switched around, and moved. And the explanation either never got recorded because of that, because it was all in pre-production, or it did, but it got lost in the transition. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you that happened. Yeah. And the way they introduced some of those characters, too, it was like, I can see what you were kind of going for as to the character archetype, and it probably would have been cool. Asian dragon hunter, and he stole my dragons, but you weren't in that scene. Yeah, and here's the British dragon hunter, and then here's here's the the large jock dragon hunter. Yeah. 
who is more like a kid than anything else. Because when they introduce it, there's a map. Oh, we were attacked here. And then he grabs another one of the model ships and goes, and crashes it into the other ship. Yeah, and it just doesn't... It doesn't land. And then the the super serious, like, very intelligent dragon hunter that has hunted the Night Furies into existence, or extinction, which I thought was a cool storyline. They didn't really delve into. I wish they delved into that a little bit more. And watching it, I felt like I was watching Hotel Transylvania yeah, crossover. Yeah, the secondary <laughs> characters, yeah. Yeah. But I still think Hiccup, Astrid, Gobber. I, I still yeah. like Gobber. Love Gobber. Uh, the blacksmith. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked that whole storyline. I liked Valka. I liked the mom. Um, I like all the main characters yeah, from I like the main Burke. characters. I thought Kit Harrington was pretty cool. Yeah. He didn't have a whole lot to do, but... No, but there was yeah. a... That nice little feud that was going back, like that unspoken feud between uh, um, Arid and uh, Snotlout. Um, Arid, Arid's son. Um, <laughs> Gotta love those uh, Norse naming Kit conventions. Character. Yeah, Kit Harrington's character. Yeah. And uh, Jonah Hill's character. Um, just not getting along. And uh, Wait, Snotlout is Jonah Hill? Mm-hmm. I thought that was Jack Black. Is it? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Snotlout is Jack Black. Or, yeah. uh, sorry, Jonah Hill. Really? Jack Black is... Which one's Jack I Black? know Jack Black is in it. I know it. Jack Black... I'm pretty sure Jack Black is not out, because that's just his character from uh, Brutal Legend. <laughs> you know, like, oh my god, you're right. It's just his character from Brutal Legend. Ah, oh, that was a fun one, but it just... Jack got Black is not credited cool. as being in the movie at all. Wow. Maybe he was for the first one? Because it's Jonah Hill's Snotlout. Uh, Christopher oh, Mintz Plot is Fish Legs. Uh, Kristen hmm. Wiig is Tough Nut. Or sorry, Rough Nut. Kit Harrington is Eric. Justin Ripple is Tough Nut. Um, oh, wow. And then you still have you were uh, wrong, good sir. Craig Ferguson as Gobber. The whole time I'm just Stoke like that is Gerard just Butler. Yeah, I was about to ask. Is Gerard Butler makes an appearance. He America Ferrer as uh, Astrid and Jay Baruchel as Hiccup. Almost doesn't need to. It's it's Gerard Butler. It's basically all the people that made this or uh, this is the end or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, oh, I know like, what you're talking about. Yeah. The one that people uh, can confer- confuse with the world's end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, um, uh, Superbad. Just like, it's the cast of Superbad makes a movie. Yeah. Makes another movie. But, um, yeah, it makes an animated movie. Which they replaced, uh, Tough Nut, because originally it was T.J. Miller. Ah, uh, uh, okay. I was wondering, because, like, I noticed that they didn't credit him. And then Spite Loud is still played by David Tennant. Which one is Spite Loud? Oh, crap, I know um, that. Because I, I kept seeing David Tennant, and I'm like, what? What's right. this? Well, you're hearing a Scottish uh, accent. That's why you can't place it. Uh, da, 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 oh, easy to forget. Out. I'm just trying to remember which of the characters he was. He might have been one of the, the three warlords that we're talking about. I think about. he was. No, because he's in all three movies. Huh. I'm trying to remember. I know I've seen... I, I know I know the character, um, but who... It's one of the adults. I know that much. Yeah. I'll get, I'll well, all the adults are Scottish, and the kids are all American. Explain that to me. Yeah, true. <laughs> no, that's a great one. <laughs> Question for the ages, right? I mean, it worked, but is wasn't he his like? Uh, he, was, he was one of the people who came up to uh, Stoic during during the invasion, and like was. I don't want to say secretary, but kind of like the right-hand man. I don't know. I um, want to say that. I want no. to say he's like on the council or something. So. 
Now, uh, he's one of the adults, but... Is he just one that, like, randomly yells from the audience and everyone? Because there's definitely this, like, character that kept showing throughout the movie that... Despite... Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, there's this guy that just randomly... Yeah, will, okay. Yeah. ...will, like, yell from the audience. He looks pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll give credit to the animators. The animation looks phenomenal yeah um, a lot of the like environments actually look really photorealistic mm-hmm. to a point where it might have been live action photography for some of the like the water and the waterfalls and that kind of stuff yeah but especially when they make it to the the hidden one world. island yeah. well even when they go to the one island yeah uh and there's this one shot of them standing on the cliffside and there's a waterfall in the background yeah like yeah. the waterfall looks legitimately like it's actually there yeah i mean, i'm not i'm not terribly surprised to hear that because even the first high trained dragon was yeah, the, gorgeous the times. animation the cinematography is phenomenal the cinematographer for this it's called a uh, visual supervisor or yeah. frame, camera supervisor it's actually <laughs> roger deakins yeah. whoa i know that uh, name he roger deakins is one of the best cinematographers of all time he did um, the last few James Bond movies. Mm. Uh, he's done a lot of... If I remember correctly, he worked with Spielberg on a few things. He's done stuff with, like... Uh, uh, like, I can't think off the top of my head of what Roger Deakins has done lately, but he's done just tons of... He's been around the business. Bombs. Yeah, he is easily one of the best living cinematographers right now. That's cool. Yeah, like I said, I know I've heard that name. It might have been when you were talking life, about something. If I remember correctly? I think so. Tree of Life, uh, Boyhood, you know, I think he's one of these. He's just phenomenal. Yeah, but like, I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. I, I haven't really looked up. Uh, cinematography for all three movies has been Gil Zimmerman. Okay. So um, the, uh, visual effects. Because Deacons is in the um, in the credits as like a, a camera camera representative or something and I'm oh, like that's a weird might be kind of like a consultation sort of thing yeah maybe like, that was impressive because the cinematography in this movie the colors the it's like it's a very rich color palette yeah which is nice especially for the when they get to the hidden world the hidden world is phenomenal oh i loved God. how dark it got at times too yeah and like it actually felt like a real movie instead of like you're watching an animated movie yeah, because normally so, with the animation, you still have that bleed through of this light that's coming through. Instead, and then when you watch a, a film that's actually been filmed, when it's dark, it's really dark. dark. Oh, yeah, dark is surprisingly just, you can't see high. Well, because there's this one part where they're going through what looks like this tunnel, and or what looks like it is a tunnel, and. Oh, going into the. Going into the hidden world, and. It goes from light to pitch black. And then all of a sudden you see yeah, you them see emerging. The you see the light from the start of the tunnel in the background. Yeah, and then and you then see dark and then it like starts black. to brighten back up. Yeah, from phosphorescence. Yeah. Oh, so it's like it's like if they had actually filmed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, except unlike the characteristic kind of blue black uh, blue blue darkness. Yeah. It's that, very well done. Yes, that's, absolutely. That's cool. And there's a, a fight scene in, like, a, a keep where the uh, villain traps them, and there's, like, a couple of dragons spewing stuff down into the, the keep. Uh, Durgans. And Roger, that is just... Roger Deakins was a visual consultant for this film. Yeah. Okay, That's so I was right. Yeah. 
Um, and and it, you could tell his print on certain things. He has. Oh my dear, that's a lot of. Okay, that's a movie I need to see. No Country for Old Men. Yeah, he worked with the Coens for a bunch of their movies. For wow. Like yeah, he's he's got a lot of like, oh, yeah. highly he's, rated ones. He's a phenomenal cinematographer. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yeah. Like yeah. he's got some awesome stuff going on. Good credentials. Good credentials. So uh, that was How to Train Your Dragon, three, The Hidden World. <laughs> Wait, is it is it How to Train Your Dragon three or is it How to Train Your Dragon question mark three colon <laughs> The Hidden World? Isn't that it? I it's they uh, it, I'm happy the series is over because they're just going to keep getting longer and longer titles. <laughs> uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Cloudier with a chance of meatballers. No, uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember two of them. So, I think it was to just pivot two. away from. Uh, actually, have any of you, either of you, seen any other movies this week? Um, not that have, were in theaters. Um, I mean, obviously, I've watched some other films and some of my downtime, but getting to the theater, I haven't. I was actually going to see uh, Fighting with Family this morning, but I, to be honest with you, I overslept. And I went and saw How to Train Your Dragon instead because that's what I could get in before. Because it was shorter. We did this. <laughs> uh, actually, it's not that much shorter. Is it? No. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hour 45? Hour 45, I think it was, yeah. Oh, wow. That's nice and tight. Yeah. Whereas uh, How to Train Your Dragon's two hours with previews. Whoa, wait. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're about the same length of time. So it's really nice. It's just um, I wanted to see that one because I know that you had seen How to Train Your Dragon on Thursday. So I was like, oh, well, to have some comparison, since we had also mentioned Fighting with the Family uh, as the other movie that was coming out this week, I tried, I wanted to try to get there. But uh, uh, our le- late-night shenanigans last night uh, kept me out a little bit too too late, and I couldn't get up in time. So I was going to beg so many questions, but let's not explain that. I owe. <laughs> right? <laughs> me, I was just, I've just been too busy with work and just trying to get myself on, a, on some kind of schedule over the past week. Hopefully going forward, I'll be in a better spot too. It's like, oh, hey, you know what? This is coming up then, or like this is this is up then. I'll go and see it. And like getting home from work, oh, you know what? I'll cool down with a movie. And you know, like actually start expanding my repertoire. Yeah. I, I caught How to, How to Train Your Dragon. Um, I rewatched like Infinity War, I rewatched a couple of Marvel movies leading up to Captain Marvel in a couple weeks. Um, I also watched Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, Final Girls, and something else for the first time. So, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Pretty damn good. Okay. I don't think it'll win any Oscars, but I could see it winning one of the script Oscars. Yeah, I oh, mean, I'd watch. She was great. Melissa McCarthy is actually really damn good. Nice. That's yeah, the first yeah. time I've ever said that about her in a movie. But. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see when um, actors, where we come to expect a certain thing, actors or actresses for that matter, uh, when we come to expect a certain thing from them, are able to step out of that and surprise us. Um, especially considering we're used to her very over-the-top brash characters um, and usually seeing Melissa McCarthy playing Melissa McCarthy as whatever. Um, kind of like, unfortunately, I hate to say it as much as I like to watch him, Samuel L. Jackson is so-and-so, because... Samuel Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is Samuel L. Jackson Shaft. as so-and-so. Or he's going to be playing Shaft anytime soon. Oh, wait. There's a new Shaft movie coming out. 
backwards playing shaft. Well, things that actually looks kind of fun. It's shaft old. The old shaft is shaft's dad, and then there's a new shaft. So it's grandpa shaft, daddy shaft, and young shaft. Oh god. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that dynamic. Yeah. That, ad, like, that, that actually adds fun. That actually adds an element that sounds hilarious. Yeah, it sounds. Fun. Uh, I mean, if they trope that up and oh yeah, um, you can tell they're gonna black exploitate that whole movie, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> and if they can make it like if. It's one of those self-aware comedies where they can actually, like... Have fun with it? Have fun with it versus, like, trying to take anything seriously about any of that. If they try to take it serious, it'll just fall right through the floor. They're going to take it, quote-unquote, serious. Right? Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. It's like, yeah. it, it's so fantastical, but and there's probably going to be one jackass that's like, this is... Wh- what's going on here? Basically, Paul Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah, which I think anything that's... In that vein, kind of needs that character. Absolutely. Otherwise, it, it just everything just falls flat. That kind of seriousness, when it's so ridiculous, needs some kind of uh, of grounded center of that's with the audience of yeah, this is ridiculous, guys. Just kind of laugh at it. I mean, look at look at Star Wars and Han Solo. He's the, he was that ground character where it's like this is ridiculous. That y'all kind of like, yeah, you know, he's kind of right, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But with the with McCarthy, I think it's more the fact that. Either she chose or was just never given the chance to go with the more subdued route because... Yeah. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me just is a very well-written movie on top of her just giving her best performance. Hey, because isn't she SNL? No. I'm thinking of someone else then. Yeah, Melissa... You might... Melissa McCarthy, I think, just usually does dumb humor, but is not... I don't think she's ever been in SNL. Um, Kate McKinnon did SNL. That might be who I'm uh, thinking of then. She does. She's like in every opening scene they ever do for SNL. She's like usually two characters. She's phenomenal, but then in movies she's not done a whole lot. So okay. she's in Ghostbusters. Yeah, um, listen, that might be why I'm th- why I connected. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy uh, was in the TV show uh, Mike and Molly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Big no. Thing. Um, but the other departure that I remember, St. Um, Vincent. Vincent, she did a phenomenal job in that, she where she's was, playing yeah. a straight character that's just, in the moment, that character. She's not trying to go for the laugh. She's not doing anything. She's She plays a mom, a single mom, who's trying to deal with divorce, who's trying to raise her kid, and is stuck in a situation where she has to leave her kid with... An eccentric, angry, crotchety old Bill Murray. So, Bill Murray. Yeah. So, honestly, I just think that some people, because they get they get shafted into shafted or choose to be in that one Shaft. role, then they uh, <laughs> then it's always surprising when it's like, oh no, they actually can do something. But yeah, yeah. it's why it pays to experiment with that sort of stuff. And yeah. to be honest with you, I'd love to see Melissa McCarthy do more of those. More curious. serious roles, because um, as we've seen from even uh, people that were more into that comedy when they first started, Jim Carrey, who can play the serious roles and pull them off. Oh yeah, and like, when we see them, we sit there and go, "Wow, why aren't you doing more of this?" Yeah, like Adam Sandler in uh, Rain Over Me. Yes, like, absolutely. He was phenomenal in that movie, but it bombed because he wasn't playing his dumb character. Or Robin Williams. Yeah. Robin Williams, Robin a couple Williams of, in like anything. <laughs> uh, Awakenings. What, five or, or 
one hour, hour photo. Yeah, one, one hour, hour photo. photo. He oh played God. such a creepy role. Oh. I loved him. Um, in Awakening, I loved him. In Awakening, yeah, he had those moments where he's like funny and pulling that humor into it. But at the same time, like, it's a very serious role. Well, what's interesting is the fact that comedy is, in and of itself, just a certain kind of acting. It's like you're acting the one... Uh, it, it, it's all an act, so to say that someone who does de- who does pretty good comedy can't do, like, a serious thing is... Uh, I don't want to say, like, putting them down or just slapping a label on someone, but it's basically you're writing off their acting because, oh, it's comedy, anybody can do it. At least I feel with that sort of thing. I think that comedy's uh, not so much. I, I get what you're saying, but um, and I, I agree with you to an extent. I think that comedy is just looked at as the like lower end of the acting scale. It's not as prestigious. Yeah, okay, that's that's a little more. But but it, it's not as prestigious to say like those dramas because when you think of yeah. you know mm-hmm. like for instance whenever we see on Who's Line Oscar winning moment, you never see Oscar winning moment coming from a comedy. You always see Oscar-winning moment coming from the super serious dramatic role. Well, uh, Devin, you know. how how often have you heard the fact that just because it's dark, edgy, and talks about bad subjects, that obviously it's true art? Yeah, true. The edgy, edgy shit always beats that up. And yeah. a, a, ser- a ser- oh, sorry, yeah. the series has that has matured is the one that's gone deeper, darker, talking about bad issues. It's like, mm, but it kind of lost something on the way. Yeah, yeah those it deeper, lost the fun. Those deeper, darker, bad issues also come in uh, after-school specials. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And those are comedy gold mines. Exactly. But no, um, you know, that's the thing, though. It's unfortunate when an actor or actress gets pigeonholed pigeonholed into a specific type of role or typecasted when they have the ability to do much more and they're not given that opportunity. Yeah, that's um, what I think is the criminal thing. It's like, if they can't do it, well, that's just not in their skill set. But when they're not, not even given the opportunity to, yeah, I think you're losing something. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all the movies we've watched this week. So let's move into the main part of the, part of the episode. It's been about half an hour, exactly. And Yay. <laughs> let's move into this week's main... Last week we did Oscar movies because of the Oscars, obviously. Uh, this week, why don't we do, like, top five animated movies? Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's what we... I'm making it sound like we haven't already planned this ahead, but... And we I, talked about it last we week. Said it, we yeah. said it last week, yeah. so I'm not sure who you're trying to fool. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody listened to last week, so, you know. Well, right. yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I kind of listened to it, but... You well, I listened to it, because I, like, edited it together, and... Uh, that, uh, that's Hopefully it's not nearly as, like, peaky and spiky as last week, but... And so, top five... Right. The top five favorite animated movies. Uh, this is pure animated, so uh, any movie that is like ninety-five percent animated and then has a main character like Mowgli who's not animated doesn't count. Oh wait, <laughs> so I have to. So no. Avatar. No. It's ninety percent animated, but it's not an animated movie. I'm gonna have to scratch off Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Again, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> that kind of thing. Those aren't animated movies. Maybe we'll do that down Mary the road. Mary Poppins isn't an animated movie. Actually, Dark Mixed Media would be an interesting one. Anyways. We could. We could do that later. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry. I, I got so the way that. this is going to work, is that we're going to start with five. One of us is going to pick our five. If someone else has this on, this on their list somewhere and it's in a different number, like if I have a movie in my number five and you, you Tom, have it in your number three, you say, oh, can it? We'll come back to that. And then we pass on to the next person. 
eventually we'll get out to our top or our number ones, and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end. Yeah. And if it's in the same, if it's in the same value, just just yeah, let we it go. Just talk about it. That makes just, sense. Yeah. All right. So, uh, who wants to start? Go ahead. Uh, oh, start, all right then. Uh, my number five is the uh, the Japanese animated movie Your Name. <laughs> okay. Am I gonna get it? Am I? Uh, that was an honorable mention for me. So, oh, okay so. then. <laughs> I have so. not seen this movie. Um, I've seen. Uh, uh, trailers for it, but I've never actually seen the movie itself. I would highly suggest it. <laughs> this was one where I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be James on James's list, so I'll leave that off of my list. <laughs> that was a that was definitely in consideration for my top five. Yeah, I I'm very much not surprised. Just the visual look of it is stunning. Yeah, I I love the animation in this movie. I it was it. so. I love it, the way they tell the story too. With the two different yeah, it almost because it's it's a story. How how long ago did this go? This come out a year or two? So a year ago. Yeah. So spoilers. Uh, for those of you who don't know, spoilers. Uh, the statute of limitation on spoilers is about a year. And I Your think, name has been out for at least a year. So I think a year and a half. So yeah, screw it. <laughs> I saw. I actually saw the uh, the the Japanese voice English subtitled version. Same here. Yeah. In. It it didn't detract from anything. I almost think it enhanced it a little way for me. And I'm a guy who loves dubs because I hate reading. Um, if there's something on the screen, I hate reading to take away my attention. Oh yeah, it did come up. Wow, almost two years ago exactly. Yeah, all right. <sighs> I remember I saw it in theaters when it came out. I wasn't that lucky, but <laughs> I it, wanted to see it when it <laughs> was out. Basically, it's Freaky Friday in Japan. Yeah. It. It's this odd. For those of you who haven't watched it, one, go and watch it because there's going to be spoilers. Exactly. Uh, two, for those of you who have seen it, the or are just not all that worried about spoilers, the fact that they're switching bodies, but one is like in the past. That took that blew my mind. By the way, all of a sudden, like holy crap! Wait, this isn't just synonymous. One city was like bombed or hit by hit by an asteroid. Oh, it was hit by a meteor. <laughs> hit by a meteor. It yeah, wiped out the town. That came out because it's, like, it's a it's okay. a city boy and a country girl waking up in each other's bodies. So of course you get the like, oh my god, I have boobs. See, the little was sister hilarious. was hilarious, by the way. She's like, touching her boobs again. <laughs> it was just yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. Such a fun movie. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like they're wondering what the hell is going on, so they're kind of leaving each other notes on their phones, which. Is on and their, and their on their phones and on the body, on their phones on their body. She has a journal that he starts writing in, and, and it's just kind of weird, weird thing. And it, like like the first what half to two thirds, I'd say, is leading up to a meeting between the two. But when the when the boy actually go, I can't remember the name for the life of me. Which I part, don't remember. Which sucks. Name. I hate that. But is like I'm sure he, Tom will bring it up on his phone. Yeah, why um, not? Taki and uh, Mitsuo? Yep. Sure. Probably you are those butch- names. But. You are butchering those. Yeah. But when, when the boy finally gets to where he know the village is, there's a giant crater yeah. filled in with water. It, it's gone. And then you find out that the two have been switching places oh. over three years. Yeah. Like they, they're three years apart at the points where they were switching. Yeah, it's such a well well written movie, and eventually they do 
get the chance to interact with each other through uh, anime time travel shenanigans. Yeah. But it's just because they start forgetting each other, too, mm. because yep. they can't remember each other's names. And uh. it's just, just really well done. Because they start, like, falling for each other. Oh, yeah. And they're, it, it becomes very they're really curious and infatuated with each other. It's just a really well done, like... I still say one of, thing, one of the things that hurt me was just when they were writing each other's names on their palms so they wouldn't forget, so they'd always know who to look for. Was it the boy who wrote on her hand, I love you, or something like that? One of them, one of them wrote that on the other's hand, and, and it's just like... Disappears and right it disappears right in front of them. It's like, oh, my heart. Yeah. It hurts. Like, They're about to write the name, and... Oh, he just—he he, just, the, didn't—they didn't write their name. They just flat out said, "I love you" or something along that. It's just like, my heart. Why'd you do this? Right, and I mean the way this sounds. Having not seen it and wanting to, um, the way that they're communicating sounds like it's a mixture between, like, um, the movie, uh, the Reminds the, you of the lake, the house. lake house. Yeah, with, uh, was yeah, one of them. Uh, there was um, a Hallmark movie. Sorry, mom, or thanks, mom, for <laughs> no, drowning no. me no. in those you movies. You said you said it right the first time. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, where um, a man and woman are communicating through uh, letters back and forth that they're sending through the mail, and somehow they're yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of like, like that. It's, well, not just the mail, like like house it's they're putting it in a mailbox and it shows up in the mailbox at that place yeah. they're actually sending it through the mail mm. and it's accidentally getting to each other. somehow getting to to where it's supposed to go through time and then it also sounds like um the movie somewhere in time um with christopher reeves yeah. oh wow um, okay yeah where there's that uh where there's the ability for time travel to go take place and they're supposed to meet up. Um, a fantastic movie. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, for another time, we'll go into that. But yeah, but it, would, it sounds like there's some we'll probably do favorite Hallmark movies. And we'll, James and I'll just go like, okay, well, not no, I've actually got a few. Well, <laughs> well somewhere in time isn't a Hallmark movie. First time I get to shut up for a whole episode. Uh, <laughs> Pretty uh, much, but no, uh, somewhere in time is definitely not a Hallmark movie. Oh. Um, it was an actual mainstream movie, Christopher Reeves. Yeah. Yes. No, I will, but um, I will definitely say you're you're not wrong in that kind of mishmash of stuff. And honestly, even though I've now told you told you that build up, it's still going to hit you right here oh, because yeah. Yeah. oh my god, it's just such a well made. It's so nice. It's whenever you get invested in a couple of characters, even if it's for a short period of time. It's like reading any good book or anything like that. Any form of media where you can truly get invested in the yeah. characters. Uh, and it pulls on those heartstrings when something happens to them when you get invested in them. What's also interesting is that for, for the Japanese version, there is an extra little scene. Because if you, if you don't know, most other languages have a very different way of sometimes referring to themselves. Japanese is one of those. They have, if you're talking about yourself, like saying I, it's neutral for English because it's just... It just is. Whereas the Japanese, there's about, like, I think three different ways for each gender to refer to themselves for masculine and feminine. And there's just a cute, funny little scene where the girl in the boy's body is just not connecting that she's referring to herself in a feminine way because she's oh, a girl. Yeah. 
So it's just a funny little scene that you don't really get if you watch the English version because it's like, yeah. oh, we can't do this. Screw it. Yeah, yeah. They, they cut out some things here and there. And that's that's they only because that of Ghibli movies too. Then again, that's because of it's hard to translate on something with like a movie when you've got so little to work with. And I can at least understand it. Yeah. And yeah. when there's a language barrier. Um, oh, that's a fun one. Especially one as drastic as, for instance, Japanese to English. Uh, it really makes it difficult for you to get those nuances down to where you can have that kind of like small comedic moment. Um, yeah, there's it's, it's cultural why, based. Yeah, it's why it's why a good dub is just like so much more than you think because it fits the conventions of the Western English speaking philosophy while still retaining the feeling of the original Japanese. And I, I think people sometimes put them down because of it. But I would highly suggest this. It's got pretty good music, too. Yeah. And just, like I said, the cinematography, just the look, the flow of the animation, mm, it is a treat. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Tom, let's move on to your number five. Uh, so my number five is very much in the vein of a topic we talked about earlier, um, How to Train Your Dragon, the first one. Um, Good choice. Good choice. I thought it was a unique storyline to begin with. Visually, a beautiful film to watch. Um, Overall, uh, I love the voice acting in it. Um, (laughs) The players just. Complete with Jack Black. Wait. (laughs) Right? Uh, (laughs) Wrong. Complete with TJ Miller, uh, who everybody thought was Jack Black, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he's not the one. No, no it's uh, Jonah Hill that I thought was Jack Black. Yeah, which which uh, honestly says more about Jonah Hill than it does about yeah. Jack Black's acting. America's yeah. favorite sweetheart, Jonah or Jonah Hill, uh, and uh, Oscar-nominated actor Jonah Hill. Yep, Joni uh, Hill. Yep, but no. Uh, overall, I mean, um, the idea of being able to take that uh, archetype of man versus beast. Um, this fearsome, horrible creature, uh, and then all of a sudden going, whoa, 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 horn, things aren't as we sh- think they are. It, not everything is like surface level. We have to look a little bit deeper. Uh, don't judge that book by its cover. Um, and then actually changing minds, um, as simple as that may seem, and as commonly as that story is told, I just thought it was a unique way of doing it, especially with dragons um which has always been one of my favorite areas of fantasy Mm -hmm. um and the way that they came up with so many different types of dragons i will 100 percent agree that there's a crap ton of variety the only thing i loved the animation on uh toothless but the other dragons at times felt way too comic-y like true astrid's dragon should have been better I agree. Okay, I can see that. I wish that her dragon was as iconic as Toothless. Yeah. Okay, I can see exactly where you're coming from. I can see that, but at the same time, also, too, if you notice, like, every dragon that got paired with every person fit their personality. Like, the twins having a two-headed dragon? That's hilarious. The the fat guy having, like, a little buzzing dragon? Yeah. It made sense. But Um, to me, I wanted Astrid to have more of a streamlined dragon. Something on par with Toothless. she's a warrior, and... Yeah, but her dragon is also the fire breather who yeah. can bust in with its head and knock things around. And I just, yeah, it just 
Visually, the sharp claws. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna hazard visually is where you kind of have the problem. Yeah, just visually, it looks like this big mass of stuff. And yeah, like I can see. I can see an clunky issue. and yeah, not very well put together. But if you remember Asher when she's originally there, on the surface she looks very well put together, but underneath she's a hot mess of I don't have this confidence in myself and i don't no i think that's i think um, you're talking about hiccup no, no. <laughs> she it's also been a little while since i've seen the movie so I, like, I haven't well, seen the first one years because she has doubts in herself especially when she starts seeing hiccup starting to succeed right. and everything like that she's going wait maybe i'm not as good as i thought i was and she's taking it out on hiccup because understandably he you were not able to do this a week ago what the hell's up yeah and yeah. she I does some investigating and things like that and then she realizes wait Hold on, there is something more to yeah, maybe there's me something than to there this. is to me. Thanks, producers. Um, and uh, you know, it it shows that depth of her character. Even I, I will say, it has probably one of my favorite lines <laughs> that just make me laugh is when Astrid gets pulled onto the ride for the first time, and Hiccup is just yelling at him, like, "Okay, okay, Toothless, let's let's show her what it is," and Toothless just. Does okay. not like Astrid, and the entire time he's just wheeling, going up like a, like the worst roller coaster you've ever been on, and Hiccup just just deadpans like, "Thanks for nothing, you stupid lizard." It's the funniest <laughs> line in the in the movie. I think the movies are well written. Yeah. Uh, so again, the supporting cast kind of bothers me here and there, but yeah, I can. Fair. I wish they kind of streamlined it, made them a little bit more intelligent and not so over the top. So. Viking, yeah. and but I enjoyed the movie. It it's if it's on in the background, you aren't going to immediately change it, yeah. right? And I like some of the small things that they did with it, like with fish legs, with the knowing all the stats of all the dragons. Oh, that was cool. Being um, Tom would like the, the one that knows all the stats about all the dragons. I mean, <laughs> being a D and D player and playing Magic the Gathering and all sorts of other card and board games and stuff like that, where things have stats. Yes. I, I connected with him and I was like, oh my god, I love this guy. He's great. He's such a nerd. I would totally be that guy. Well, it's also interesting the fact that it wasn't just straight stats because they're going against the boss dragons. They got no information on this. And just because of how everything else works and how it should work, he's able to extrapolate, okay, it's got this, this, and this, so this, this, attack this. We should be able to do something with this. It's yeah. It's not just straight book knowledge is he's able to extrapolate and think in that that other dimension where it's like okay and like correlate everything yeah because i remember on the island when they're fighting the dragon the final boss dragon he's like fish legs break it down for us and he's like all right visual acuity and he, he just he just starts yeah. listing off at, fa at full speed and he's like this guy who's kind of like just been so absorbed into the stats of everything rather than like wanting to fight or do well in he's other a, areas. He's a strategist. Yeah, he's a strategist and he's been so wrapped up in his own mind about things, all of a sudden like he becomes like that linchpin of cool, now I can pull our strategy together, guys. Yeah. Let's okay, do let's this. try this. And boom. And yeah. it's it's nice. It's nice seeing that where it's not just you're reading off it's the person kind of throwing out stuff they've memorized. No, no, no. They actually know their they know their stuff and they can extrapolate based on that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. That's that's what I loved about that. And it was nice to see DreamWorks actually do something that wasn't Shrek and actually do a really good job. Yeah, something that's not relying on crap jokes. Yeah, there was a there was a couple points where I tear up. I even now watching it, it's like I'll, I'll tear Three up. Three has a couple of those. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely a couple of those in the third one. And since that's come out without within the last, just say, week, you know, it's not so much nope. Right. Nope. Yeah, no, I'm we'll, good with we'll that. We'll just leave it at the fact I think, there's some teary I think, moments. Yep, and I think that's a, that's a good capper for that then. Yeah, yep. so uh, Devin, that brings you to huh. number five. Okay. Well, <laughs> I originally had one, and then I just changed it to something else on my list. Of course you did. Uh, Coco? Oh, such a good movie. I had meant to see that this week. I just oh, didn't get the chance to. I, I own it if you want to borrow it. I've got it available. I just oh. have not watched it. Coco was such a damn good movie. Oh, I've heard so, so many good things. It's our movie from last year? Yes, it is. Last year, yeah. I've heard so many good things. In the... 2017, not 18. Is that what they said? 2017's movie. Uh, uh, it's all about Day of the Dead. Um, yeah, 17. What happens when you die in Mexico and... You know, going to the afterlife, and the main story is of a basically a kid that wants to be part of a mariachi band, and he goes Hell to the, yeah. land, the land of the dead, and uh, he wants to be part of a mariachi band and know who his father was and have that connection. And he thinks his father was this uh, famous like mariachi singer and, and all guitarist. this, and it turns out that the guy's actually just a jackass, and his yeah. uh, real father is something else, and he runs into this. Hector, the a, a good mariachi artist himself, but he's being forgotten. It's all about the uh, what's the name of this stuff? Uh, not cadenza. What's the where you put your your family's photos? Oh, um, oh, I know what you're talking. Remember? It's like, yeah, it's kind of a memorial thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the like memorials. Uh, where um, you put the your fa- your deceased family members' photos up on your up on your like hope chest or something uh-huh. and now for the rest of your life you remember who they are and during in the afterlife they now have a a good um life because people remember them the more people that remember them the better their life in the afterlife yeah, and the fewer thing. people the more they like d- decay and disappear they, yeah the, they decay because they're forgotten hector's being forgotten because nobody remembers who he is except for his daughter who's now going through dementia Oh, whoa. It, yeah, I know. The movie gets that is very, heavy. very dark. That is heavy. And it turns out that it's been out for a couple of years now. Um, sorry for spoiling this, but Hector's the father, the real father. Yeah. And Coco, the titular Coco, is the grandmother of the main character who's forgetting her father, Hector, kind of thing. Like, starting to forget people and it's just just very well done you start realizing oh you know there's there's more going on with this story i've heard nothing but good things about it and i will say from everything i've seen it looks beautiful which i think for all the all all the movies we're going to be talking about i could just just go a blanket statement of oh my god it's so nice i'll mention i have one on here that it's not visually like, the animation is not... It's a little janky? It's not that it's janky. It's just not, you know... Polished. Beautiful yeah. CG animated goodness. It's... Um, no, I understand. They're called aparendas. Aparendas. Um, and there's another language we're butchering today. Yeah. Well, that's actually... No, that's, no. that's, that's actually... <laughs> yeah. it. But that's the joke. You, yeah. have, you put your family members up on your aparenda, and that's how you remember them. It's sweet, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. And this is more about what happens if you don't remember someone, you don't remember your grandfather, I think it is, or great-grandfather. Any of of them, uh, they start to fade away, 
and in the afterlife, they actually start to literally fade away and do nothing. It's so, yeah. it's so, it, what sucks is I'm hearing this, and I know it's such a beautiful thing, but the only thing I can think of is that one song, one song is that, in the afterlife. <laughs> You're gonna be in the afterlife. Yeah, exactly. That's like me. Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing I can think of when we're talking about the afterlife. And it's like, no, no, no this no. is a good thing. Don't, don't. But the song that everyone remembers from Coco remember is Remember Me, me. Yep. which uh, the original grandfather, or great-grandfather that he thinks, uh, yeah. the, like, the very popular mariachi guy, who ultimately is an asshole. The like, matador. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's, like, the hugest dick. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the character's name. But uh, he's just a huge dick. And that's why. <laughs> and he took credit for the song, Remember Me. Uh, Ernesto de la Cruz. Ernesto de la Cruz. Yeah. And Ernesto. He just, he made this very popular song. Yep. Which, played by Benjamin Bratt, by the way. Yeah. Which became like, like, poker face big. Everyone knew the song. Yeah. You mean bigger than the Macarena? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's huge. To stick huge. with um, animated movies, it's like uh, Let It Go size huge. Everyone knows the song. Yeah. And so everyone remembers him. So he has this huge, big thing. Well, it turns out he didn't write the song. It was Hector. It was written by Hector for his daughter. Yep. Oh. Ernesto, oh. he would sing it to his daughter every night before going to bed or any time that he would oh. need to go on a gig. And every My time. Heart. Every time he sings the song, his daughter remembers him. Yep. And now that Hector was killed by Ernesto, and then was the song was stolen, but still, anytime Hector sings it, Coco remembers it. Yep. And, and so thinks about his her father. Yep. And so even with the dementia, because it got so popular, yeah, when the little boy comes back. He eventually does get back to the yeah. real world. He he comes back to her in, in desperation, trying to get her to remember Hector. He starts singing the song to her. And, and she wakes up out of her dementia stupor for the first time in like 10 years and starts singing along. Yep, and because the entire family is against music and everything like that, all because they think that Hector was a dirty, no good, a yeah. rotten scoundrel of a guy. They tried to write all off and made it like forbidden in the family to do music of any kind. Oh, and okay. so uh, because it hurts so much to have that part of their somebody they love so much basically be so vile of a person. Um, and so they think. Them, so they thought, and then and you get the scene with he or with uh, the kid singing to the grandmother, and like the, the rest of the family, like, no, you can't do that. And I think it's the mother. The, it's the mother, the daughter of Coco. Like, back off. Yeah, give him a second. Him, let him do this. And he starts singing Remember Me to her, to Coco. And for the first time this whole movie, Coco wakes back up and starts singing along with him. And it's this time where you see Hector not fade away. Yeah. And ultimately, a year later, they caught near the end, and it's uh, the boy singing this to the family in its own, his own, like, version, and you see Hector spectrally dancing with him, like, dancing oh, with Coco, or good. dancing with the family, Coco having died throughout the year. Yeah. And Coco, like, basically walking into the real world side by side with Hector. Yeah, because it's I'm... It's just a, such a well-done uh, 
just the whole movie is just so well done. Yeah, because of course the tradition traditional thought Day of the Dead, the dead can come back and feast with the family. Yeah, that's why that's why you have the, they have the, yeah. the food stuff on yep. and they, on the graves. They do flower petals leading to the various houses, so they can find, find so they can find a new home. home and, but the um, ending is the boy uh, Hector and Coco singing "Remember Me." Yep. It looked like it was very, very well done, especially with the uh, with the culture. It looked it's Disney Pixar, yeah, mostly and Pixar and Pixar tends to do really good. Pixar yeah. either does unbelievably well, like Toy Story, and I'm sure we'll have a couple of other Pixars in here. I know I have at least one other. Yeah, no, I, I think I got one. Yeah, one, a couple of them. I'm left. sure we'll probably be canning at least one Pixar here. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> Won't be me, though. Uh, That's weird. One of the things that I want to point out is at the end of the credits, uh, they actually have a a Ferenza mm-hmm. at the end a of Ferenza. it with all of the people that have died in Pixar. Yeah. Oh, Over the course I remember you entire, telling me about that. Yeah. Their entire history, they, they all pop up. This is so that you are always remembered. Mm-hmm. And then it all fades out. That's cute. That is very touching. It's The whole movie is just extremely well made. Yeah. Very inventive, very cool visuals. Look the, colorful the world too. of the the world of the dead is just it looks so colorful. Again, doing something that in true Disney Pixar fashion, um, they're bringing something from uh, uh, another culture to um, the American culture and to the world really uh, to light um, traditions that aren't necessarily well understood. Uh, by everybody, um, kind of like they did with Moana, and um, you know, with uh, um, Brave. Well, Brave was more Disney than Pixar, I think. Well, um, I think it was half it's half. more Dis- It's more Pixar than Moana was, because that's uh, only well, Disney. only Disney. But like you, what I'm saying is, you know, uh, that's why I say Disney Pixar. Um, they're they're bringing traditions from other cultures. Um, that aren't necessarily well understood or seen all the time and saying, hey, yeah, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to show you a little glimpse into the world of these people and uh, maybe in your own ability, you should maybe check them out because they're really cool. Yeah, um, there's, there, there's so much interesting stuff in the mythologies of different cultures. Yeah, it, you, yeah. Can, you can always find something new and interesting to look up. Yeah, and everybody's culture, like, there's so much rich history behind everything that uh, it's a shame that more people are so, aren't willing to, like, look into that. Go out comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. Well, my number five was Coco. Sweet. So, good one. Number four? Number <laughs> number four. Number four. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that actually the first Aladdin movie? Can it? Oh, All right, then. Cool. Tom? Oh, All right. So, my number four is Howl's Moving Castle. Did not see that one. Um, I've seen it. So, uh, overall... I've seen, I've seen uh, two Gimpsy, and both of them were kind of on the lower end of this, people's likes. This one actually uh, replaced what I originally had as my number four, which was also a Studio Ghibli film, um, which was Kiki's Delivery Service. Ah, uh, that's the one of the ones I've seen. I enjoyed the hell out of the movie, um, but that's Bill not Hartman that's... did an amazing role in that. But anyways, uh, with Howl's Moving <laughs> Castle... Not, not um, surprising. It's... Of the uh, Japanese animation styles, it's probably one of my favorite examples of it. Um, overall, it's just beautiful, drawn animation. Uh, the story for it is really cool. Um, 
and as the story develops, like you have characters that you don't really fully well understand or um, necessarily like, and then you, as the story develops, you sit there and go, wow, there's a lot more depth to that character. There's a lot more going on with that character. And I really want to, like, I really feel for them. And it makes me sad that, uh, you know, I felt as the way I did about that character when it first started. Um, and then you have the character, like the, I'm blanking on the name of it all of a sudden, uh, the fire, oh, yeah. um, in there. Yeah. The chef fire type thing. Yeah, so. uh, the the blazing fire who's actually a spirit. Yeah, the, uh, the fire elemental. Yeah, the fire elemental. He he he's like this conscience type character, but at the same time, like he's also more on that chaotic side and wants to do things that aren't probably the best idea because he just wants to be free and do what he wants to do, and you know he's fire so. Firebird. Yeah, I liked Howl's Moving Castle. I did see it in theaters when it came out, and I wasn't impressed with it when I first mm -hmm. saw it. Like, I was pretty young when it came out too, so I'm like, okay, well, this is it's cool, sure. You know, um, I liked parts of it. I thought the animation was cool. I liked Howl. Uh, I liked the. It's not a scarecrow, but the, the turnip head. Turnip head. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I overall enjoyed it. I thought the animation on the uh, the castle, the moving castle, was pretty cool. But every time I watch it, I'm just kind of, like, underwhelmed by it, honestly. Fair. Um, I'm not really sure why. It's just one of those that's never been my favorite TV show. Fair. I, I mean, one of the things that I really liked about it that really drew me to this one is the dynamic between Howl and the witch. Mm -hmm. um, and how... Uh, there's this overarching story between the two of them and how the young uh, protagonist, the girl, is kind of just stuck. Young protagonist. Yeah. The, marks. <laughs> yeah. How the girl is uh, just kind of stuck in the middle and being used uh, mainly by the witch, but um, a little bit by Howell to achieve ultimate um, freedom from the other. Uh and it, it, I just think it's an overall interesting story. Um, I'm having not looked more into it. I don't know if it has any ties to any uh, older stories within Japanese culture or anything like that. But um, uh, visually, I, I think that uh, even if you were to listen to it, watch it without any kind of sound on, um, it's an interesting film to watch. Yeah. Um, just because of I should probably revisit how it. smooth everything is, the transitions between scenes, um, and everything really like watching it makes me feel or um, get this different uh, like emotion towards the characters as the scenes progress. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's why it's in my top five. I think it's a great representation of that animation style and everything. So I, mm -hmm. I genuinely really enjoyed parts of it. I've watched it again since, and I'm like, it's better than I thought, but I still, it's missing something to me. I'm not really That's sure. Fair. That's fair. I've just only seen a couple of, of the Ghibli films, so I, I, this, and this was not one of them. Cool. Uh, well, 
Should we move on to my four? Absolutely. Sure. Cool. Um, well, one of those Ghibli films, because I'm getting the feeling you're not going to can this one. <laughs> I've seen two. I saw Grave of the Fireflies, and I saw Kiki's Delivery Service. Cool. Well, neither of those. Um, my next one is Nelska, The Valley of the Wind. Nope. Never saw it, but I wanted to so bad. I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've watched this, so I don't remember all the story, but it's one of those that when I first watched it, I was just unbelievably blown away by it. Um, the whole thing, it's, she's a wind rider, she, in all this, and there's like a bunch of different flying planes and just all these kind of stuff going on. Uh, it's one of those that I'm not even going to try to remember the overall story of it, but the movie just absolutely blew me away when I first saw it. It's been probably five to ten years. Since was I that kind of like the one that had almost the World War One aesthetic? Oh, you're thinking uh, the Wind that's, Rises. That's Wind okay. Rises. Yeah, okay. that's World War Two. So I, I could have almost Japanese zero. Yeah, I could have almost sworn that that one was of one of my honorable mentions. That mine as well. And to be honest with you, uh, the reason why Howl's Moving Castle beat it out was because Howl's Moving Castle was the first of the Studio Ghibli films outside of Kiki's Delivery Service that I'd seen. Oh, so it's kind of got the nostalgia going and for yeah, it. So, I'm not um, going to blame you for that. And while as much as I love Kiki's Delivery Service, I think that the animation of Howl's Moving Castle was right. better. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I saw um, Nausicaa. I bought like a collection of all the movies, <laughs> and I watched a few of the others. You know, Tortoro and... Uh, Spirited Away. Prince I've seen okay. Spirited Away in theaters a while ago. Prince Mononoke. So basically, all the I, big ones. I watched those and I'm like, these are good. And then I watched Porco Rosso, Pompoco. Wow, there's a mind trip of a movie. And then I watched Nausicaa, thinking, okay, this is one of their earlier ones. And it just absolutely blew me away. The animation on like her going through the, the clouds being chased by stuff and all the clouds moving up around her. Just like, this is just so well animated for almost being like 20 years old or something. It's like a really early one. Yeah. This is just phenomenal. Just absolutely blew me away. So, I want to go and rewatch it. Uh, it's just one of the many movies on my list for rewatch. So. <laughs> yeah, it came out in '84. Oh my! Wow! Whoa! That's 25, 35 years. 35 years. Yeah. Oh my I was god! '88. So yeah. Yeah, I was born in '86. So. Yeah. Jeez. That's yeah. older than Tom. Holy crap! And it still holds up. Oh yeah. Well, it came out according to this in 1984. Its official release date was November 25th, 1987. So, Ooh. most likely that was the American release date? Probably. Yeah. I'd, I'd hazard. But yeah, that was good. I want to rewatch it. See if I feel like awesome. I've forgotten more of the movie than I remember, but it was just, it's just easily my hands down favorite. Well, it'll also probably be interesting with how much you've seen since yeah. to go back and still kind of analyze it. But yeah, that is my number four. Very cool. Number three. Number three is at. I think there's quite a bit of the uh, the Japanese movies <laughs> on our list because yeah. mine's another one. I'm not sure if either of you have actually seen it. Sword of the Stranger. No, I have not. I I'm feel getting, like I've seen it. That's a that's a look on your face, Devin. I feel like I've seen that. I don't <laughs> remember it though. A no-name stranger finds himself uh, burdened with a young boy and dog that have. That basically had their the the kid had his entire village just destroyed by Chinese fighters. Like this is all sort of who are looking for young young kids to drain their essence to create 
immortality for uh yes that is exactly it uh to create a potion of immortality for the leaders back in China, okay. for the emperors back in China. And it's about this this no-name stranger getting paid by, with, like, a block of, it looks like jade, or emerald or something like that. I don't remember what it actually was. But just that, that whole little thing of just getting the kid to somewhere that he, he's paid to get to. You know, the whole Ravoni thing. Yeah. Um, and the Chinese trying to get the kid. It's very well done and a very interesting sort of uh, chase movie almost for, for, for the majority of it. And then, of course, the kid gets captured because, of course, they're going to. Yeah. And it turns out the majority of the, the, the Chinese soldiers, there's like six of them, are, like, get hopped up on super steroids. That make them stronger. Oh, okay. They make them stronger. They, yeah, they make them stronger, faster, and like able to ignore pain. Like hmm. they've literally been able to ignore like limbs coming coming off and all that sort of stuff. Wow. And the no name who, at this point, has basically just sworn never to use a sword. It's always wrapped up. When he goes to confront it, all this buildup is just him breaking open his sword and just going to town on everyone. And it's insane exactly how skilled he was. And if absolutely nothing else, you can watch the final confrontation between him and like the strongest of the Chinese warriors, who's a blue, uh, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, like Nordic guy. Ah. Okay. Ah. There is no dialogue whatsoever during the fight. Hmm. They are constantly moving around in a snowstorm on top of a, a teetering tower. It is all visually stunning. I'll have to check it out. I, that actually sounds pretty cool. It is like reminds a, me of Rundown. Almost. It is like a five-minute fight of just, and again, you can watch just that with no context and enjoy it because it is just they they both use the terrain to their advantage. They are both it's it's a it's a like a feint and all that sort of, like they're gauging each other, going back back and forth, back and forth. No one's a clear winner. They're using the terrain to their advantage, and it's just gorgeously animated. Everything makes sense. You're following the geography of the area easily in your head, and you're just like, you're pumped, like, oh, God, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Because neither of them, both of them seem that they could take the win. Hmm. All right. Yeah, it's one that I've never even heard of, so. Like, I, I think I've heard of it, but I never saw it. Oh, my God. Yeah. The end days have come. Don't worry. There, I probably have my number two. You probably but yeah, that's definitely one. Yeah. Again, if nothing else, the last confrontation because, oh my god. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Tom? That looks pretty cool. Um, so, my number three got canned by me. So, Aladdin, uh, Aladdin yeah. All right. <laughs> so Didn't make my list. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about that now then. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, uh, by far, one of my favorite animated films of all time, obviously. It's the first um, one I have a memory of actually watching. Because yeah, it came out in 92, I would have been too. One of my favorite. Mine, it's it's early for me. Not not my first, the first movie I ever remembered getting engrossed in is actually on my list. We'll get to that. Um, but uh, visually, it's just a beautiful movie. <laughs> uh, I love the soundtrack. Um, Alan Menken does a great job. 
Absolutely. And uh, I one of my favorite parts um, that still stands out to me today is it's one of the first movies that actually uses any form of like computer 3D imaging in a film, oh, right. in an animated film. Oh, that's right. During it was the Escape a, from the Cave of Wonders. Yeah, it was a Cave of Wonders. Um, when uh, you see Aladdin uh, being chased by the lava and he and Abu are on the flying carpet and they are going straight towards a, a wall, a dead end, and all of a sudden it goes straight down and then does this like weird flip and through a tunnel. And as it's doing that, it's actually using that 3D generated, uh, uh, computer generated image. And it, I, it just blew me away. I'm like, they can do that? That's amazing. And yeah. mind you, I was born in 86, so I'm not that old thinking this, but I'm like, wow, that's cool. Then they, then they took that further with Tarzan and that, well, that was Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I, that being said, like, Overall, the the story behind it, there's lots of laughs. There's, it, it's everything that like a kid would want from a animated. It's, it's film. a whole package. It legitimately yeah. is a whole package. Um, it's got the adventure. It's got the comedy, the it's music. Got Robin Williams doing his thing. Uh, Absolutely. They and okay, fun story about that. Actually, they they originally wanted to get Robin Williams, or like he came up, and so to pitch it to Robin Williams. They did. They did animation of the genie doing his bits from his comedy routine, uh-huh. and it's like, how how funny do you do? Is that is that to just sell that? The other thing I know about that is during recording, I think across the way they were also doing uh, shots for Schindler's List, <laughs> and after they were done doing lines for uh, Aladdin, Robin Williams would go over and cheer them up by just joking around with them. That's pretty cool. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, I also know that a lot of the lines that uh, uh, Robin Williams was given were actually just him ad-libbing. Um, so like he would get, he'd be given the script, and then all of a sudden they're like, "You know what? Why don't you just riff? We're here's kind of what we want. Here's what's supposed to happen in the get, scene. Get in the ballpark. <laughs> Go have fun." And so they ended up doing multiple, multiple, multiple takes of him just doing these riffs. You could look, a funny thing about that is if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff, the guy who did Aladdin's voice, they, well, a lot of the times they were actually opposite each other to bounce, to bounce better. Mm-hmm. And he, Robin Williams would basically make it his job to make him crack and laugh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that guy was, uh, the guy who played Steve on, uh, let's call it Steve. Yeah. That's a different no, uh, the guy who played Steve on the TV show um, Full House. Hmm. Huh. I, um, I don't. I, it's been forever since I saw that show. But yeah, it, it looked like there was just a lot of fun. Because all, like everyone's uh, acting in that is very, very good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even, even the Sultan, who's kind of that, that kooky, oh, like mindless kind of father thing. Yep, that Scott was Winger. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's on, also back on Fuller House. Oh, of course he is. Uh, playing Steve again. That's kind of Steve. funny. But it's like even even the Sultan, who's kind of that, that the kooky, absent-minded father that you see in like ninety percent of Disney films that have fathers. Um, yeah. It, even he's still kind of he still kind of have his has his moments where okay, yeah, I can kind of see how this guy be Sultan. Plus, I mean, you also have Gilbert Gottfried as Iago. Yeah. Like, 
I I just think that he did an amazing job just sitting there and being himself as a parrot. I can't remember who did Jafar, but he was uh, amazing. That's jo- um, Jonathan Freeman. Uh, ah. Jonathan Freeman also plays him in the uh, Broadway musical as well. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and he has also voiced him on the TV show and every one of the movies. Basically, anything he, that Jafar has been a part of, he's done the, the voice for, yes. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, he he is the official voice of Jafar. Hmm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he's also done all the voice acting for Jafar, even for uh, the Kingdom Hearts games and all that. Oh, I know it's him. I know so, that. Um, but, yeah, yeah it, and like Jasmine... Was was one of the more uh, actiony princesses. That's for sure. Like just did not like went her own way, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, she wasn't that typical. I'm this super damsel in distress that needs to be saved. It's all not the time. Sleeping Beauty. Uh, yeah, not Sleeping Beauty <laughs> or Snow White. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, so yeah. your number three. My number three. Uh, my number three is Wall-E. Ooh, not a bad yeah, one. That's my highest one. Pixar. Have you both seen Wally? Oh yeah, I have, but I saw it kind of. I saw it once around the time it came out, so it's been a while. It's one that I went into expecting to like it, and then just walked out of it. I'm like, God damn, that was good. <laughs> the fact that there's no dialogue for the first like half hour. That's never a deterrent if it's done right. Like there's very very little dialogue in this movie. It's yeah. all a short circuit like robot cleaning up trash for the first half hour and then he meets a girl that doesn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, this is fun. And then it's just the way they do physical comedy with no dialogue, with a character that doesn't have any human anatomy to like show like a facial expression. It's yeah. the way they move the, the eyes up and down, the way they like move the little lenses, the, the body language on this robot. It's just... It's just such a brilliant movie. Yeah. People make a lot of a big deal about dialogue. And yeah, it can be important. I'm not going to say it isn't. But it's when stuff like this is done yeah. that it's like, okay, no, we are creatures who communicate a lot through our body language. And that just kind of exemplifies it. Look at the old silent movies. Look at yeah. Wally. It's like you come to care for a robot that would never be able to speak your name. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Like he says. And that's like all he's able to say, or that's all he says in the entire movie. But he's like easily one of the most charismatic characters in Pixar. Yeah, they don't even get any kind of like real dialogue until well into the second half of the film. Yeah, and even that, it's like it's still not the main character talking. It's the the steering wheel and the steering wheel, the captain, and a couple of the passengers on board the ship. Of course, one of them's Ratzenberger because. Pixar, but of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be Rathenberry? Yeah, I love the, I love the skewering of our society that everyone's just become lazy, fat, and sitting in a sitting in a um, chair. Yep. Oh my God, physical contact. Huh? And, uh, meanwhile, yeah. they've destroyed our planet. And... Yeah. And the only and the only one caring for our planet is this robot that really well, what, shouldn't be doing his job anymore, but he still is. What I found interesting is the fact that, from what I remember, again, it's been years. Yeah. That it seemed like uh, using it. And kind of commentary, but without any sort of prejudice or critique, not critiquing, uh, judgment. Yeah. It's like, well, this this happened. Let's go. It's still one of those that, as I notice the way our 
planet's basically going is like people will ins- instead of going out to go get food, they now just order food in. Yeah. And I'm like, it's uh, eerie how close we're actually getting to the, the well, future that they predicted back then. It's like that will also look at idiocracy. Yeah. yeah. People, how many people made the comment yeah. on that? Yeah. And yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it was a satire when it came out. It's a documentary it's at a, this point. Yeah, kind of true. <laughs> Feels like that a lot more often than not. I have to hand it to Wally, though, for having this bleak future that is getting more and more realistic the more we do, more we get close to it. And I'm like, that is terrifying. So, <laughs> Hi, happy robot. Like, <laughs> Love of, me. Instead of going and seeing a movie, they're sitting at home watching it digitally. It's like, okay. Like, I could see that, but there's definitely certain things that I'm starting to notice that lines up with Wally, and I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. We're closer... To each other than ever before, yet in our own way, we're further apart than we've ever been. Yeah, like social media and all that, how it's, you don't, you no longer have to go over to your friend's house to talk to your friend. You could just shoot them a message saying, hey, how's it going? Yeah. That kind of thing, instead of like going over to your friend's house. And that, there, there's definitely this kind of lost art of actually being friends with people. And that's one of the things that Wally kind of touches on. Yeah. And... Other other things kind of like, as crappy as it is, the Emoji Movie and uh, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet kind of touch on that too, where you don't have to be physically with somebody to be friends with them. So, <laughs> But I think Wally just does it the best. That It points out like Wally isn't connected to anyone and then wants to be connected with Eve. Or Eve? Eve. Uh, yeah. Eve I think yeah. it's just it's Eve. Eve. She, I like, can never remember. It's, it's Eve, but they bring the uh back in there, or in there because of the... the Cadence. Yeah, it's it's just the way that the, a digital voice would articulate it. Yeah, yeah it's cadence. Yeah. Then. But he wants to physically be somewhere with someone, and then like everyone else is just like, "I'm good in my chair," and it's just this really well done. And then when yeah. the two passengers discover, oh wow, hey, <laughs> physical touching, no, <laughs> oh my god, well, the, the, there's a person. Yeah, and how about like, that? They start realizing there's other people around them. It's just such a well done movie. Yeah, and of course we should say that we're not generalizing as everything's bad. It's just there are certain pockets you can see going yeah. towards a not so great yeah. end. And it's a great example, uh, as you said earlier, of the show don't tell. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Movie. It is one hundred percent. I show love don't the tell. fact that yeah. he watches old musicals. Mm-hmm. And it, like he wants to emulate the old musicals, but he doesn't have anyone to do it, like dance with. Yep. So he tries teaching Eve how to dance, and she just doesn't understand why. Yep. And then <laughs> yeah. ultimately, like later on, she's like, "Oh, I I finally get it." Yeah. And you it's know. just such a such a well done movie, and you know, it's and it stresses that physical yeah. interpersonal interaction. Movie. Versus the disconnect that we've you've gotten, so you can almost you can almost guess that if or they, it's my favorite Pixar movie, not Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can almost guess that if they wanted, if if they could have, they would have done it with no dialogue at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If they could have gotten away with it, they. And I'm not sure. I'm not, I believe the director has mentioned that he wanted originally to have no dialogue, but the studio was kind of like, you need some kind of dialogue. Like, okay. And you know what? I can't even argue against the studio yeah. on that one. The first, the first half of the movie has very little dialogue. The second half still has very little dialogue, but it feels like a lot because you haven't had any for in yeah. forever. Yeah. So that's my number three, uh, Wally. Damn good movie. Moving on to number Absolutely. two. Number two. My number two is actually a 20th Century Fox production. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, it's not in my list. Oh, wait. I am guess I think I know which one you're going with. Yep. Don Bluth's Anastasia. Ooh, no. Right. Not the one I was thinking of. Okay. <laughs> oh, yay. I surprised you. Yeah, I thought it was that uh, wonderful Fern Gully. <laughs> no, that's another, that's another good one. Also with Robin Williams, actually. Yep. But no, I, I, I prefer Anastasia so much more. Fantastic film. Anyways, go for it. Yeah, have both of you seen it? Yes. I've seen it. It's been probably 15 years. Yeah, yeah it's been yeah. a long, it's long definitely, time. It's definitely older. Here and there it's definitely an older film, and I can honestly say at some points it's definitely not as fluid as it could be. Yeah. Don Bluth does kind of have that problem. Like, you can see it in the, both the Fible movies. Which yeah. are both really good. Which are also both really good. Honestly, I... Honestly, any Don Bluth movie, you could kind of throw a dart at, a dart at it, and it's like, oh, okay, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. But Anastasia, <laughs> it's just that it's a fictionalized account of what would happen if Anastasia had actually survived, and also rescued and had actually been an evil Spoiler, warlock. Bro. <laughs> um, plus, not only that, but also too like overall, it's visually stunning as far as like. Oh, it, the, it captures a beautiful of, look yeah. for 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 St. Petersburg, for a lot of the Russian areas, yep. as well as France. Yeah, and then even that, like, even seeing Rasputin um, at doing his magic and everything like that. Gorgeous. The way... <laughs> the way that uh, they have the lights and the darks and um, those, like, neon poisonous greens and that actually that actually is kind of hilarious because even though it's Don Bluth and a whole different thing it still takes the Disney aspect of uh, villains have evil green smoke around them yeah yeah but, but that's am I, am I wrong I'm immediately thinking of Princess and the Frog so yeah and, or, or I'm thinking of Lion Star King. Yeah, and Lion King, King. Uh, so yeah, it, prepared. Yeah. It, it, it still takes that kind of that kind of thing of like uh, villains oh sick evil green it's actually the his, uh, rescued in his phylactery is actually where I got the idea for my tattoo here. Hmm. I'm for sure those the of two us, two, the two of you can see. Yeah. Yeah. He has a tattoo on his wrist. Forearm, forearm, forearm jackass. Forearm, forearm. But yeah, it's basically wrist, forearm, same thing. <laughs> How big are your wrists? <laughs> Pretty small. His okay, wrists then. go from the base of his palm all the way up to his elbow. That's uh, weird. You're weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. Because I basically, I basically have the exact, I basically have the same thing. It, it, it's a phylactery on on my forearm, and it was based heavily on Rasputin's one. Hmm. And <laughs> the whole thing is very interesting. It's essentially a musical. It, I think it more or less is a musical. Yeah. It's been so long, I don't remember if it is or not. I, I think there's it is. a lot of there's a lot of uh, good ones, but I'm trying to think who everyone was. I uh, Anastasia was Meg Ryan. I know that. That much. Uh, yeah, it's Meg, Meg Ryan. So long, uh, John Cusack John played Cusack Dimitri. Was Dimitri. Christopher Lloyd was Rasputin. Kelsey Grammer was, was Vladimir. Vlad. Uh, Hank Azaria was Bartok. Uh, Bernadette <laughs> Peters as Sophie. Kirsten Dunst as young Anastasia. Uh, Angela Lansbury was the Dowager Empress Mary. Uh, they had they had a lot of big names. Yeah. Yeah, and that's without getting into super in-depth people in the super obscure one yeah, one shot characters and they're yeah, like it, yeah voice actors. those are well not so much voice actors like there's some actual celebrity like, straight actors like uh lacey chabert who's uh very much a c cd lister um she's more on tv shows huh she's one of the mean girls 
I think so. She plays young Anastasia. Yeah, she was uh, Gretchen Weiners and or Wieners. Wieners. Damn it. Uh, she was also <laughs> Penny Robinson in the movie Lost in Space in '98. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. So and then she's done Lost a ton of other. Why? She. she I don't um, know. If I'm not mistaken, she also went to uh, the channel where actors go to kill their careers called Hallmark. Um, <laughs> I remember, only reason I remember Lost in Space because of Matt LeBlanc. This podcast brought to you by Hallmark Channel. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, God, no, please. I say that. If, if Hallmark sues us, we're going to be famous. Hallmark, please sue us. Please don't. I don't I'd have rather that kind not of money. go to legality. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's such an interesting, fun little romp. And again, it is in no way, if you couldn't guess from the stats, I'm saying Warlock, Lich, and Soljar. It's not factually accurate to history, but it has. Hypothetically. Yeah, I mean. Very true. But it has. It's just a, a fun sense of adventure of, of an amnesiac finding out who they are. Yeah, I mean. So that's actually really good music. Yeah, the music's really good. Um, and it's a really good uh, take on. Um, possible history. Communist Russia. Yeah, and then again with the whole mystery that surrounded Rasputin with his crazy self, considering he was shot, stabbed, hung, poisoned, castrated, uh, and drowned. So yeah. the stories go, uh, supposedly. But the fact that he did all those things. I know all about Rasputin. <laughs> right. The, only thing, Rasputin. the big thing I could really criticize the movie for is the fact that Rasputin. Even though one he has one of the one of the best uh, villain tracks I I know of in the Dark of the Night is sweet, but even though he's technically instigating a lot of the issues that plague Vlad, Dmitri, and uh, Anya on the way to see the Dowager, he's kind of a non-issue and actually co- confrontation-wise with Anya until the very end. So he's there. He's kind of instigating issues, but honestly, they. They could have been ones that popped up even without his influence. So you're constantly seeing him throughout the movie, but you're not really seeing interactions aside from him with Bartok. Mm-hmm. That's about the biggest criticism I can give off the top of my head because, yes, he's there. He's part of it. They have a big confrontation at the end. Ooh, but it's just that. It's all at the end. You're seeing it, but the actual characters aren't. Fair. So that was number two, Anastasia. 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 My number two um, is Inside Out. Uh-huh. Um, Inside Out, I thought, was a fantastic take on an idea that doesn't ever really get explored very often um, in any form of like fiction, um, unless it's rather obscure. Uh, and the fact that they took these major emotions and made them the center of what makes us who we are and put it inside of this little girl who's trying to go through major family issues um, of moving and growing up and hitting not, puberty, and, hitting puberty yeah. and not sure where she fits within her own little world. Just all the bad shit hitting you at yeah, once. Yeah, and... Going from this like happy child to all of a sudden everything else just hitting you and you're going oh god what's this what's going on um, and conceptualizing conceptualizing that yeah and I I think it's just a a fantastic movie um, uh, it gives us uh, an inside look as to 
uh, like where our imagination kind of goes and changes and adapts to what it turns into as we come, become adults. Um, especially when uh, we see what happens to the little girl's imaginary friend. Is it Bing Bong? Bing Bong, yeah. Um, Bing Bong. Yeah. Bing Bong. Oh my gosh. Um, and then anytime that I can see uh, Louis Black completely losing his crap um, yeah. on screen and doing it in a way where he actually gets to blast fur out of his head uh, makes me makes anger. me pretty oh happy. Oh god, he was. Right, I anger. completely yeah. forgot Just about Bill Hader paranoia. Bill Hader's uh, fear. Yeah. yeah. Um, I completely forgot that that um, was Mindy Louis Kaling Black. was disgust. The disgust. Amy uh, Poehler Amy was Poehler happiness. Was joy and, or joy, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, uh, Phyllis Smith was sadness. Yeah. Richard Fox. Kind was Bing Bong. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, Diane Lane played the mom. Kyle McLaughlin uh, was dad, and uh, Caitlin Diaz was or Dias was Riley. Um, I thought it was a fantastic film. Uh, I, I loved the story of it. Animation was really cool. Um, yeah, I've been looking into dissociative identity disorder, okay. multiple personality disorder kind of stuff for other reasons, and I kind of realized that. The idea of Inside Out is very similar to what studies people, have found. <laughs> people with DID explain their mental, you know, what they're mentally feeling is that there's different people at control at different times. And it's one of those that, unlike Split, which gets visually the, the changes, um, it kind of makes it seem more evil. Well, it, it, so, many time, it. so many times mental issues are treated as uh, as that evil or horror kind of aspect. Yeah, because we don't fully understand it. Well, there's all, there's that, yeah, but I think also the concept, at least to my mind, is that people also are afraid of the concept because what happens if I'm not in control? Yeah. And from what I've heard from you just talking about that, yeah. it's not so much that they don't care. When, when you have that from almost the get-go, it's less about someone forcing control, although there are definitely cases of that, yeah. and more about shift changes in a yeah. job. Yeah. It's like, okay, man, I'm going to clock out. You want to take over? Sure. Boom. And yeah. that seems more like what, what it actually is to live with it as opposed to yeah, the horror like, concept. They're all specialties. Like, maybe you're going into somewhere that you're afraid of, so fear takes over. Mm -hmm. And Or, like, Someone who's a little bit more powerful will step up and be like, I got this, let's let's yeah. deal with this. Send a soldier in almost. And yeah. first responder. And you know, and along with that you also have this idea that like, yeah, maybe your overarching emotion most of the time is in this case, you know, joy for all your life. You've been a rather happy person, all this stuff. And so while you're fear feeling all these other feelings, um, you know, sadness, fear uh, you know, anything, uh, anger, whatever, like, whenever you're feeling all these things, like, you still have that, that, uh, urge to want to try to still find the light in things, or have that happiness try to come through, um, even though it doesn't always succeed. Because you know it's there, it's just sometimes it's real hard to grab. Yeah, and one of the other things that I thought was really cool, too, is there's several points in the movie where it jumps out of Riley's head and it shows the inside yeah, of like, like the, her parents' the, heads. Yeah, I like the teenage 
teenage boy, girl, and just all, all yeah. hell breaks loose. Yeah, all and the cats walking around in the cat's head. Just yeah. kind of <laughs> stuff. Yep. And then, like, all, yeah. or like when Riley's starting to lip back to her parents and uh, it shows inside the mom's head and it shows uh, the same emotions, but they're all like moms and they're looking over at the dad like, is he going to say something? And it shoots over to the dad's head. And they're all watching a basketball game. <laughs> and then you've got the one guy. that has gone. Yeah, and then you've got the one yeah, uh, like, guy at the controls going, um, guys, guys? <laughs> mom's looking at us. Wait, what what's going on? What, what, uh, um, uh. The foot's coming down. The foot is coming down. Uh-oh. The, the foot's down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, whatever you think, honey. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, young lady. Go to your room. <laughs> it, it basically looks like a, it basically was just a very interesting and I, I wouldn't want to say fun, but entertaining way to conceptualize something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Yeah. yeah. I, it yeah. was, it broached a subject people are somewhat uncomfortable talking about yeah, in a way where you health. can discuss it. Yeah. And the other cool thing too is, is if you notice looking at the other people whose minds you jumped into, um, they had a different emotion that was their primary emotion at the helm. It seemed like all the other emotions like looked to that like one. The one teenage boy was almost all fear. Yep, and then the mother, uh, in all actuality, her primary um, emotion that everybody, all the other emotions seemed to look to, to was actually to. sadness. To defer to? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. So like the leading emotion was actually sadness for her. Oh, that's... Um, yeah. Whereas like the that, one uh, for the father was anger. Ugh. Um, yeah. And it's maybe because when they were growing up, that was the primary emotion that was at the forefront of a lot of the things that influenced their development. Yeah. And then the other emotions pervaded in and started creating different things. And we see that with Riley, where her character um, has these clear-cut worlds of happiness, sadness, whatever, associated with these different things. Most of them are being very happy. And then all of a sudden, as things are changing, new worlds are created where it's like a split between these two emotions. Um, I'm happy, but also a little bit afraid. Yeah, a little bit afraid, a little bit of uh, anger, a little bit of uh, sadness. And it's okay. And it, you're realizing it's okay to feel these things. Feelings are perfectly fine. You don't have to be happy. It's the way all you. The it's time. the way how you. How you yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be just one emotion. Having mixed emotions about things is part of being human. You, yeah. Um, and I thought that was just a fantastic film. I thought that that's why it's my number two. Yeah, I well, definitely understand. Jumping from your talk of emotions and this kind of heavier type stuff, my number two is Mary and Max. Oh, okay. I don't think I've even it's, heard of this one, or if I have, it it's kind of stop oh, animation. It's a stop motion animated, not Ardman or Leica animated. Um, it's actually I think in. Australian? I think so. Movie? I know th- I know Mary is Australian. So the overall concept of Mary and Max is Mary is a 10-year-old girl, uh, very lonely, that randomly opens a phone book from America and chooses Max. Oh, and just randomly picks a and name. And it's like, I'm going to write a letter to this person and sends a letter to this random guy named Max from, from uh, New York. Now, Max is bipolar, uh, bipolar, Jewish, um, very curmudgeonly, and like a shut-in, basically. Wow, someone won the lottery. 
And he gets this letter from this girl and goes, oh, okay, and writes her back. And it becomes this, like, pen pal friendship between this, like, really, like, happy young girl that's lonely and nobody really likes her, but she's always, like, optimist. And it's ultimately her growing into this young woman who has a baby. And uh, there's... The movie itself delves into bipolar disorder with, with Max. Um, it delves into, like, claustrophobia and delves into all these different issues that Max has and the, some of the stuff that Mary develops. Mary's mother is an alcoholic. Mary becomes an alcoholic as she gets older and through her friendship with Max is able to kick it. Uh, she does get extremely drunk when she's pregnant and almost hangs herself, which all of a sudden the movie goes really dark. And But it's almost poetic the way they do the scene. It's a, it's a song, Que Sera Sera, whatever will be, will be. Mm -hmm. And she's on a chair with a noose around her neck like, and starts dancing. And oh. everything strips away. And you're like, what's going on? And it's revealed that she's pregnant. And it's just this very impactful moment because you're not sure how dark they're going to go. But it's ultimately, the movie is just unbelievably well made. Uh, it's almost completely black and white. Oh, that's cool. Uh, with like touches of red here and there. To emphasize. Uh, Mary beige. gives, yeah, here and there. Um, Mary gives Max a little red bow or like a little pom-pom that he puts on his hat. And he wears it for the rest of his life. Ultimately, Max does die because he is—he's an older guy. He's like sixty. He's forty. He's forty-four. Forty-four, but still older guy. Mary ends up growing up to be about thirty, so Max ages another twenty years, and ultimately oh, does die when Mary does finally comes to visit him. And it's just kind of—do they get to meet him yet? No, they never actually physically meet. That that was the biggest question I had. Um, like that that's they sad. become pen pals, they become best friends, but Mary is a child and Max is a forty year old, so it's this. Yeah, she's eight, I think. Eight starts and then ends up aging quite a bit, but it's yeah, just this eight. absolutely brilliant movie. Yeah, and easily one of my favorite animated movies I've seen. The cast of for the primaries is really good too. Oh yeah. Uh, Tony Collette, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Eric Bana. Oh wow, yeah. no, Philip you're Seymour getting Hoffman plays Max, Max. and oh. Tony Collette plays the adult uh, Mary, um, and Eric Bana plays Damien. Uh, Damien is ultimately Mary's husband, and uh, Bethany Whitmore plays uh, young Mary. Yeah, that sounds it's, like a that sounds like a good it's cast. An absolutely brilliant movie. Went way under the radar, but that like I said, I haven't even so heard good. of it. Yeah, um, and from what I from what I'm hearing from you, that's kind of kind of a sad thing. Yeah. I mean, it came out in 2009, so I nah, saw it at the festival. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Color me surprised. Yeah. Give me a second. Oh yeah, well, it's the only one of any of these that I saw at a film festival, and it it, it just blew me away because I'm like I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Yeah, but it it just left this like, I mean, it's a extremely depressing movie. It's not a happy movie. But, but that's are, not a bad thing. But it's one of those that you kind of walk out of going, that was unbelievable. You know? yeah. Yeah. Depressing and sad topics do not necessarily mean a bad film. Nothing, yeah. Not everything deserves or requires a happy ending. Yeah. It depends. And while this does have the moment of them finally 
almost meeting. It's still one of those movies that leaves you with like a warm spot in your heart just overall. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a it's a hard movie to watch, but at the same time, it's just really well done. Very so, cool. Mary Max. Max. Awesome. Now, Max. Number ones. Uh, number one is a Disney film for me. Mine too, kind of. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> We're all Disney kids. <laughs> well, right? kind of. Yeah. I'll get to it. <laughs> but mine is Tangled. Okay. okay. Not mine. Not mine. <laughs> That's also kind of, we've what, only had one actual. So far we've only had one conflict, yeah. yeah. And that's been, that's been the other Disney film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it Didn't even make my honorable mention. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, but no, Tangled. I absolutely love this movie. It is so much fun. In truth, I've never seen it. Wow. Uh, at least not Tangled. all of it. I've seen like maybe 10 minutes total from the film. Well, Jill, don't tell Jill that. We have a friend named Jill who absolutely loves Tangled. Right. Yeah, she, she will murder you. <laughs> yeah, she will murder you. <laughs> it's so much fun. Because, hilariously enough, in a cosmic sort of way, to go on that kind of train of like darker depictions of stuff and of emotions and relationships and all that sort of thing. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy Tangled because it basically shows a very, very emotionally abusive relationship between Mother Gothel and Rapunzel. Yep. She basically, Gothel basically makes her think that she is worthless and that no one will care about her except Mother and even then, it's more about her hair than anything. It is, it is basically Rapunzel stepping out of that beaten, broken-down shadow uh, that Gothel has shoved her into. Okay. It's, best, it's best exemplified when Flynn Rider, who is one of my favorite male characters, he says what we're all thinking. Yeah. And he is not afraid to admit that he's a coward. I love it. Yeah. So essentially, he, it sounds like... Uh, um, the characters of Rapunzel and uh, Mother Gothel are very similar to uh, uh, the Hunchback and Frollo. Yes, yeah, that's a very good comparison. For Quasimodo and Frollo. That's 100% a good comparison. Okay, <laughs> I just rewatched it. They're about... Yeah, movie, yeah. I forgot how good that movie is. Gothel and Frollo are about, uh, are about as evil, too. Yeah. yeah. But plus, plus Frollo is Tony J. I mean, his voice is godlike. Absolutely. But with this, like, it's best exemplified when Flynn first gets Rapunzel out as the deal of he gets, he gets the crown he's stolen if he gets her to the candle festival, the, the lantern festival. Yeah. And she steps out onto grass for the first time that she can remember. And the next, what, five-minute scene, I'd say, roughly, is just her going back and forth between, this is so awesome, I'm so happy, and just, I'm the worst daughter ever. How could I ever disobey my mother like this? Like, mm. just smash cuts between those. It's hilarious because of how it's played. It's Mandy Moore, I want to say, that does Rapunzel. I don't and, remember. And she is a great voice actress. I, I love a lot of the stuff she's done. But it's like, it just quick, rapid fire. And so it's funny, but it's also like, there's something very wrong with this girl. It's also got some of my favorite yeah, songs. Mandy Moore. Yeah, it's also got some of my favorite songs from yeah. Disney. Agony. Wait, no, nope, wrong movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ron Perlman's in this film. Yeah. I think he was one of them. He plays Stabbington brother. Oh, oh yeah, I remember them. Uh, Mick C or M C Ganey is captain of the guard, and Jeffrey Tambor or Tambor is uh, yeah, like Big Nose Thug. 
Brad Garrett is hook hand thug. The captain of the guard has nothing on his horse, Maximus. That horse is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I love it because it, it's basically, it is Rapunzel's story of gaining the strength to uh, rebuke her oppressor, her abuser. Yeah. Because that is exactly what it is, and it's, it's beautiful for it. It's awesome. Uh, my number one, Toy Story. Nope. <laughs> I have two on my honorable mentions. Toy Story 2. I liked it better than one, but one is definitely good. I knew that Toy Story would end up on someone's list. So uh, I didn't about it. <laughs> yeah, Toy Story is my number one. Um, it's the one that I can just watch over and over and over and over again and yeah. not feel bad about it. Uh, it's one I can put on in the background. It's one I can actively watch. Um, it has so many good parts where the characters are interacting with each other, um, and just ripping into each other. But at the same time, like, uh, in some cases, like playfully doing so. Yeah. Tom but Hanks and Tim Allen do fucking. They play off of each other so well, so well. Um, and it. Not only that, but also too, like, as a kid growing up, like, that was one of my, like, biggest, like, uh, things that I've always wanted to have happen was my toys to come to life for me, for me to be able to play with them. Yeah, you're playing, the, you, you play with them like, like Andy does. And, yeah, you know. And it's like, what if you guys could play with me? That'd be awesome. Right? Or, um, hey, you guys should, like, do stuff and play and I'll just watch you. Just yeah. go ahead. Go, go play. Robotics. Do it. Do it. That's Gone. creepy, bro. <laughs> did you, you know? did you hear a lot of behind the story, uh, behind the scenes stuff with with Toy Story? Actually, um, it was originally a completely different kind of film. Really? Yeah. Uh, Woody was a lot more like harshly sarcastic and almost crotchety. There wasn't a lot of the light lighthearted humor. Uh, wasn't he closer to the guy from the second? Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah, the, oh, the, the old man. Prospector. Yeah, the prospector. prospector. He was a lot close. Yeah, that's exactly it. He was closer to the pro- to the prospector. And they were partnered with Disney, I think, for it, right? Because this, this is Pixar's first feature film. Yeah, yeah. Disney Pixar came to Pixar. first. I know that Pixar worked on it quite a bit themselves, and then Disney was like the one that stepped in and was like, hey, let's actually make this thing. Yeah, and the thing is, for, for a lot of the first stuff, Disney was just not liking it, not liking it. And I think even they recorded a lot of stuff with uh, Tom Hanks for, for the old Woody, basically the prospector, that just, it's like, Wow. Okay. Um. This doesn't sound like anything that it should, and so they basically had to scrap a lot of stuff and almost rewrite it. Life is like a boot full of snakes. <laughs> you tip it out, they just go all over the place. Go for your throat. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the ones go for your throat. <laughs> One of them came up and bit me in the buttocks. <laughs> Lieutenant Buzz. <laughs> Lieutenant Slinky Dog. <laughs> Lieutenant Lieutenant Slinky. <laughs> but no, it and that it's got a whole bunch of names in it too. Like yeah. I said, like yeah. I said, Jim yeah. Allen, Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger, to the surprise of no one. Um really? I can never remember the guy who does Slinky Dog slash Ernest. I can never remember his name, but he 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 was in it. Oh uh, yeah. And he was pretty um, big at the time. Uh, yeah, so uh that's Jim Varney. That so was Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Don Rickles, Don Rickles Jim Barney, like... Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, Annie Potts. Annie Potts, yeah. Um, she was Laura Metcalf, Arlie Ermey. 
Yeah, Laurie Metcalf plays Mrs. Davis. Um, um, and Gillette. Gillette uh, was in there? Yeah, he plays the TV announcer. Oh, oh my God, he does. Um, I mean, uh, Spencer Ast, uh, who's a pretty big voice actor. Um, uh, he uh, plays one of the wounded. So- he plays the wounded soldier, the one that gets stepped on. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, John Morris <laughs> oh, no. plays Andy. Uh, Eric Von Deaton played C- uh, played Sid. I uh, almost thought you said Satan. <laughs> no, he played Close Sid. Enough. Yeah, it was Sid. <laughs> with yeah. Sid, it's not far off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I mean, it's the fact that you had such huge actors and actresses coming. Everything together. came together in a wonderful pot. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. It's one of those movies I can, if it's on, it's like, oh hey, cool, Toy Story. And surprisingly enough, it looks a little weary, but I still say the animation and look still kind of hold up today. It holds yeah. up because they're not trying to be human. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they are toys works. Andy and the parents and Sid. <sighs> I mean, it is like a, a, it's an older movie, so yeah. you, you're gonna know instantly it's an older movie, but yeah. it still holds up. Very well today. But at yeah. the same time, the sequels like, got better with the people. Yeah. That's for sure. But at the same time, it also feels very much like an animated film. Yeah. Yeah, like with an old school people, paper pen. Well, not so much that, but like even the people, the people, you can tell it feels like an animated film versus yeah. I'm trying to go for hyper realism. Yeah. <laughs> like How to Train Your Dragon 3. How to Train Your Dragon 3, or even like some of the video games that are coming out where it's trying to be that super over the top real. Yeah. Or like Final Fantasy Spirits Within. I almost yeah. put that on my list, but then I'm like, no, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> really? I, I almost put Advent Children on my list. Advent Children's amazing. Oh, that well, almost got an honorable mention, but then I'm like, mm. it's pretty good. Spirit Within, I still say was interesting. They but tried something. They should not have. They they should have just cut off the Final Fantasy. Personally, yeah. they just call it Spirits Within. That would have been. An, I think it would have done a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but having the that hyper realism is not something they were going for, which is again something that I like. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it, I think it worked in their favor. And I mean, and it also had like those those little things like uh, with the aliens and the claw machine. <laughs> the and claw. The claw. What's, what's also cool is the fact that like when all when any of the the the, the toys were moving, it felt like how you think that toy would move. Yeah, like. Like you Woody, see, Woody kind joints of, yeah, like Woody when, kind of flops around. He flops around when he's running. He doesn't yeah. run like Buzz does, which is very more, which is much more like, like you'd see a, a, a an action do. figure. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. an action figure. He's a robot. Yeah, like, as far as his movement. Bo yeah, Peep takes, takes slower, yep. deliberate steps. Yep. Uh, you Back see, uh, number four might be the villain. Rex. Why did Why did they make it a four? They never made a three. <laughs> yeah, James has a thing where he didn't want to watch three because two left off at the perfect point. It left off on a happy note. God damn it! But uh, three is. But I would have picked three as mine. I've heard great things about it. I but really you see have. Rex. I just, I just don't want to. Because the way Rex happy. moves, flops uh, back and forth. The toy, the the little green army men. Yeah, the army men. They, they, they bounce around. I love on how it. they have to use their base. Yeah, yeah. they they'll hop forward with their base. It, yep. I also love how they actually have like the little. Uh, I seem to recall them actually having. For the, like par- marks for where the where you would take them off. Like the, the plastic, plastic mold. The injection would have. Yeah, the yeah, extrusion would have. Yeah. Especially on their helmets. I seem to remember. They have it on the helmets. The helmets are on the back. And the back. And then um, I loved how the parachute men 
had the little circles for their helmets yeah, where yeah. the parachute would connect. It was yeah. Um, it was all it was all it, very well thought out. Yeah, yes. it was very well thought out, and it was way before like you got the the like nowadays number four coming out. You see the little dings on the side of um, uh, Buzz Lightyear's uh, helmet. You see yeah. the little little touches, the touch of it being like a certain type of plastic and all that kind of thing. They didn't have it back then. No, no they but, still had all of the touches. Yeah, what's interesting about it is that sort of stuff is an extension of the stuff they started in the first one. Yeah. You yeah. can easily see how, okay, I can see how it naturally progressed to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that really got to me too is um, that idea of uh, Andy starting to move on when Buzz comes into the picture. Um, yeah, yeah that's and that him looking down at his own boot and going, Andy, and you see it faded and smudged. Yeah. And then after seeing uh, Buzz's foot with the brand new marker on there saying Andy, it, it's like those Written small properly. things. Yeah, those, yeah, those small things that like really... It, like, it hits you. It, yeah, honestly, it, it honestly really hits It gives you the feels. And then when you finally get to see Buzz and Woody getting along, and then yeah. the puppy at the end, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just let a rocket. Rockets are... Lots <laughs> of rockets explode. <laughs> yeah. What was he thinking? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. That whole scene was actually legitimately creepy. That freaked me out as a kid. Especially when Willie just gets so played nice. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. Okay. <laughs> the kid yeah. deserved it, but he's going to have nightmares. I like that he came back in number three. It's the trash the trash driver. Nightmares yeah. for yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. So That's you're so number one, huh? I'm what? guessing most and probably, they probably both guess my number one. It's well, what's the fun in that? Technically, it's Disney, but technically they also disowned it for 15 years. So, and it's Nightmare for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That is on my honorable mentions. I will 100% I, say that. That was the only one that I'm just like, well, that's my number one. What else is on my list? <laughs> uh, it's been one of my favorite movies for 25 years now. It's an, it's an it's amazing movie. one of the first movies I remember going to see in the theaters. I went to see it, and I immediately wanted to buy the soundtrack. I went off, and I bought the VHS myself. Most likely my dad gave me money to buy the VHS, and I thought I bought it myself. But <laughs> I went, and I bought the, the music book. music book gave me a paper cut. My first paper cut freaked the crap out of me. Let's just read stuff. Whoa. Pretty much. I was like, paper can kill me? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, especially if it's thick and thick enough, call a tree. I bought, like, I bought the music for it. I bought the soundtrack. I bought the books. I bought the how to make it. I bought all the figures. I, I just absolutely loved it when I was like four or five when it came out, and I just absolutely love this movie. It is so great, and it, some of the animation doesn't hold up as well as it should have, but I've always loved it. Uh, I was in high school when. Disney decided to grab it back from obscurity and go like, yeah, it's the new goth thing. And then it became the emo film like of the year for like 2005, 2006, 2007. They rebranded it as a Disney film. They, when it originally it was just a touchstone picture because they wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're like, oh, it's Tim Burton. And Tim Burton was getting big and he was like, oh, it's Tim Burton's movie and all this. When it's, no, it's Henry Selleck. Yep. who did Coraline 
and he did like Monkey Bone, and he did a few of these. Which explains why I don't care for Corpse Bride too much. Yeah, but um, Corpse Bride was just Tim Burton. That's yeah, what I mean. Tim it explains Burton why I don't care for Corpse Bride. Tim so Burton much. was a writer. Corpse Bride made my this. my honorable mentions. I I like Corpse Bride, but it it just didn't have wasn't as good well, as Nightmare. Well, from what I heard, it's not so much that Burton was a writer for Nightmare, it's the fact that he had kind of an outline slash cliff notes and he gave to, well, to what no, Selleck? He wrote Creditor as, a, he, as the writer. Oh, he, he did? He wrote a short okay. story. I can, that, I can never remember this. He wrote a short story when he was inspired by, and it's even worse now, the seeing pumpkins and all that for Halloween and then in the next aisle seeing all the Christmas stuff. It's even worse now where you see all the Christmas stuff, then you see the pumpkins right before Halloween. But it's that like point right after Halloween's over where you see the two mash up. Where Thanksgiving is a non-existent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he wrote all the... He wrote... I don't know if he wrote the script fully, but he wrote all the music and all that. And so he Danny saw that Elfman. divide and had, had an idea. It's like, yeah. this would be cool. Yeah, and then yeah. Danny Elfman came in and wrote all the music. Oh my god! Yeah. And Danny actually sang for as the voice for Jack. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's the singing, singing, singing voice, voice for Jack. Jack. As Chris Sarandon. Yep. As, uh, he sounds Jack's almost. He sounds exactly voice. like you'd expect Jack would sing. And then, that's the thing that's then, amazing. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is yeah. Sally, the the mom from yeah. um, Home Alone. Yep. Is she? Sa- I thought she was also uh, one of the trio. Lock, shock, and uh, I want to say she's Lock. Uh, Danny Elfman's one of them. Paul Rubens is one of them, and Catherine O'Hara. The other one. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara is uh, Shock. Um, Shock. Can Paul Rubens is Locke. Uh, Ken Page is Oogie Boogie. Oh my god. Um, Ken Page Catherine is... O'Hara is still uh, Sally, right? Yeah, okay. and then Greg Proops was, was Harlequin, Dummy, or Demon, Devil, Sax Player. Really? Bonetti. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's honestly my favorite Danny Elfman soundtrack. Yeah. Because it just... Danny Elfman is one of those that I've... I've always loved Danny Elfman's scores. He's, he's got interesting like I loved stuff. In, I loved uh, Spider-Man. He did the original Spider-Man. Oh, God, um, he did, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He's done a lot of a lot of movies that you don't really realize. Because, honestly, did, uh, one of the biggest ones people think of is uh, Batman. Yeah, he did Batman. Um, mm-hmm. Most Tim Burton movies he did. Or he's had a hand in. I love Tim Burton, but lately... He hasn't quite lived up to his own potential. I'd say everything after... Uh, Once he did uh, Alice in Wonderland, I kind of stopped. Yeah, that was after Corpse Bride, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Corpse Bride was still entertaining to a certain yeah, extent. Like, I, I really enjoyed Corpse Bride. Visually, I think it's one of his best movies. Oh, but I, I, the I story was a little... Eh. Yeah. Whereas Nightmare, I give a lot of credit to both Tim Burton and Henry Selleck and Danny Elfman for that movie. But it's one of those that... I have just absolutely loved the movies. It is. It. it is such I've a made costumes of Jack Skellington. It is such a happy movie. I'm a tall, skinny white guy. Yeah, yeah. Jack Skellington. It is such a happy movie. That's the thing that that's the thing I take away. From it's a it. happy movie that goes really dark too. But yeah. not in the way you like, not in the way you usually expect. Like when Jack gets shot out of the air. Yeah, uh, the poor or the poor Jack. Poor Jack. Yeah, because he starts lying love, on a gravestone. I love that whole song. I love that song. I love Jack's lament. I love how it's basically a movie about a guy that has a uh, midlife, crisis. Midlife, midlife crisis and just goes, "I want something different." Yeah, it's like, and I'm so tired of my job because I constantly do it. I constantly do it. How can I spice this up? He sees something so almost anathema to yes. his way of living. Christmas Town. What's this? That's a great song. Yeah. Yep, and it's that classic idea of it's always greener on the other side of the fence. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. Even I if it's d- covered in white. I yeah. know it's a lot. 
you probably heard oh, but a lot of the controversy people tried to dig up in recent years about how Nightmare Before Christmas is cultural appropriation. I don't care. And I don't care, and I think they're bullshitting. Yeah, yeah I think we're just trying to, just to find up, problems. Yeah, or stir up controversy. Because yeah. Jack honestly loves Christmas. He's just not going about it the right way. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he doesn't um, fully understand. And he learn he learns over the course of this. And it's like, wait a minute. Oh, you do. You I'm do doing your me. thing your own way. Um, I do my he, thing. Yeah, poor Jack. It's like, yeah. I am the pumpkin king. It's like, yes, yeah. he is. That's what he is. He needed a bit of a diversion to kind of he needed to do himself. something different for a bit, but yeah. he did it in the wrong way. One hundred. He he wanted a hobby. He went about the hobby the wrong way. Yeah, it's like anybody who just needs to have a break from the monotony in order to realize, hey, no, this is something that I absolutely love. This is where I belong. Yeah, this he needs to find what, a passion. Yeah, th- he had to refine his passion. Yeah, he had to reignite his passion. And once he did, it's like, no, wait, I am the pumpkin king. Yeah. And I love the narrator for that was actually Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it was credited as. I know it, it was on the. It was on the. It was on the. Uh, the soundtrack. It's in the soundtrack, but the soundtrack, the soundtrack and the movie are two different things. Yeah. Uh, his soundtrack or the stuff he says in the soundtrack is different than on the album. It is, okay. but what I do like about that in the soundtrack is the fact that the end thing you're Long basically time ago, longer now than it seems in a, in a place perhaps you've seen your dreams. Yeah. Yeah, but no, the end, the end bit when it's all closing it. It's basically Patrick Stewart saying if he that if he could go and find that silly old skeleton or something, uh, would you do it again, knowing what you do now? And Jack just smiled and said, wouldn't you? That's like, only on the soundtrack. That's I know. I know that. And it's, it, but it's such a good little thing. It's like, yes, even knowing everything else, I would do it again. Because it, did, it helped me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just such a fun... You talk about it was reused and restamped as emo and all goth and all that sort of stuff. It really was. It was. I will give you the argument that Jack is basically a happy goth. Yeah. He finds delight in all what people consider the dark stuff of the world. But he's not. I would never go so far as to say he's emo. He has a bad period, but he's a happy goth. Well, it, I mean, it that's... was brought into hot topic, and the oh. movie itself was credited and like they really pushed it for being this like. Emo goth it's uh, not thing, though. which not. It's 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 sad that it's categorized that way. Um, and I wouldn't even go so far as to say that he's a happy goth. Um, oh, he's close. Everyone in Halloween Town is happy goth, essentially. Aesthetically a goth, right? Oh, yeah. Aesthetically, yes. But what I'm saying is, is like you have to look at it from their perspective. It's their norm. That's like saying <laughs> that anybody who walks around in a suit and tie is Obviously, this business person when when no, they're not people, in that what, business all three of thing. Us, when all the three of us know people who walk around in business suits as their casual clothes, which is just weird to me. Yeah, which we happen to know somebody in a group that we belong to. Yeah, that's why uh, I that said that circumventionally. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, and uh, you know, and then we also know those people who uh, prefer to walk around essentially in shorts all the time. Uh, what talking about? I don't know what you're talking uh, about. You know, versus uh, whatever. Like, it, the idea is is the fact that it's categorized as this goth thing. Because you're close. Um, it, right, you're categorizing by clothes. But also, too, because Halloween is essentially this time that's supposed to be dark and scary. And They're supposed something to let people allow themselves to be scared of. Yeah. yeah. And when it's your norm, how can that be, you know, that thing? 
it's it's for all intents and purposes, uh, Halloween Town is Christmas Town, but for Halloween, for Halloween, That's like exactly that. that. Or, you know, it'd be like going and saying that Easter is Easter Town if there was one. There was. Like, yeah. I don't remember. It's been a while, a few years no. since I've seen the movie. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, going Easter Town or whatever, or a Thanksgiving Town for all I care, uh, just as an example, Turkey. right, uh, is saying that, like... Well, that those... actually brings up one of my honorable mentions, mentioning what? that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so let's move into our... We're running out of time. Yeah, so... We are. Uh, so let's... Go into our honorable mentions really quick. Let's not go too detailed. No, no, yeah. kind of, kind of I mean, maybe just mention miles. them. Yeah. Um, so, so let's just individually say one and then round table it really quick. Yeah. Okay. Red Line. No, I've not seen it. The anime? Yep. And the uh, anime movie. Red nice. Line. All right. I know the other one you're talking about. No. <laughs> Fair. Um, for me, I would definitely say uh, uh, Mulan. I will tell you none of the animated like the old school animated Disney movies made my list. Okay. Hmm. The only one that might have, and I'll name it now, is Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I can see. The it. only one that got remotely close um, to my list. The one that was the old school ones, older, uh, that made mine, Sword in the Stone. Oh my God, I remember that one. All right. Uh, let me check real fast. Because, like, I mentioned I Toy have Story. A whole bunch. I mentioned Toy Story 2, and we just talked about Nine Before Christmas. The only one I have is uh, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Oh, okay. That's the third one. That's the third, third one, yeah. Two was the Return, Return of Jafar. Jafar. Yeah. Yeah. Three All was right. King of Thieves. I yeah, I enjoyed that King one. King of Thieves was the one that actually brought uh, um, Robin Williams back. back as the genie. Yeah. Uh, my next one was Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, amazing! Strings? I meant yeah. to watch that this week. I loved Kubo. Yeah, Kubo is an amazing, amazing yeah, film. Another stop motion. If you haven't noticed, I have a lot of stop motion. Yeah. It's a very cool style. Um, was, it's just too intensive yeah. for people to want to do Mary and Max, Corpse Bride, Kubo, Nightmare. I have another one that I'll say in a second. Um, so. uh, one that was uh, stop animation that made mine Lego Movie. Yep. I forgot that, that was stop. It's mostly stop motion. Mostly it's stop keep, motion. Well, I mean, it's got a couple. It's got a scene or two of live action, but. Um, and there's a little, and there's some CGI stuff in there, but a lot of CGI in that. But uh, there's a lot of stop motion in there, and I thought it was a genius. No, 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 it's yeah. completely CG. There's a lot of stop motion as well. Yeah, I could have sworn it was completely CG. I remember reading something about that, but I could very no. well be wrong. No. Uh, next one for you. Uh, I actually can't think of anything. No. Else. Oh, All um, right. Uh, another one that I had was Inside Out. Uh, the one that I had was uh, Your Name. And I also had Isle of Dogs. Oh, yeah, which came up last yeah. week uh-huh. uh, for you. A uh, couple others that I had was Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, that's a fun uh, I had Secret World of and um, from up on Poppy Hill by Ghibli. Yep, uh, The Wind Rises was on my list well. for honorable mentions. And one that came up while I was uh, uh, upstairs before we started this uh, was um, Hotel Transylvania. Nope. Uh, the Hold only on. reason why is because I, I thought it was... Hotel Transylvania. Uh, it's more the concept of it that hit me. I like me. the concept, I just hate it. Oh, well, I yeah, um, the sequels to it were yeah. garbage. Um, sorry. I also have Zootopia. Oh, yes. That's right, that was on I, there. I absolutely love Zootopia. That's a great and one. The sloth is amazing. There's the movie that I, I loved when I first saw it. I saw it about five times in theaters, and I absolutely loved it when I first saw it. And then it hit that point of I am so tired of this movie I want it to die is Frozen. Yes. And it's weird when I first saw Frozen I absolutely loved it. I can't stand it. And I'm not sure why I loved it. 
Because, um, like, now all I think of is Let It Go and the fact that I had to portray Frozen so many damn times repeatedly in improv games. I just got tired of it. I, I loved it when I first saw it. I'm glad you did. Sure. I, I hated it from the get-go. One of the just, things that... The story screwed me over. I hate it. One of the... Uh, well, two of the big things that really got me for it was um, the scene of the ship going down with the parents on it uh, hit me because of the simple fact that it was later revealed and tied in that it was for sure, um, or was or at the time was led to believe that that was where Tarzan came from. Um, yeah, Tarzan's another one actually. Uh, cause the me. parents on the ship eventually had a kid and that ship was from Arendelle became Tarzan. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. or was the theory? Yeah, there's a lot of theories time, that that's uh, one was that, that little theory. mermaid comes up and looks at the, the same ship. Yep. Uh, and then the other one is oh, I really is. liked the trolls. Um, I thought that was. I thought that was kind of weird and out of place. I thought it was weird and out of place, but the animation that they used for it, the animation they used for it, the fact that they had weight to them, they were stones. I, I thought that was an yeah. uh, interesting look at how a troll would be. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I, I, I did actually remember another of the movies and it, another anime movie, the Steinsgate movie. Oh yeah, I like mm. Steinsgate. Yeah, because it just it just flipped out the situation from the actual uh, yeah. series. And it, it it has a happy feel good ending. Yeah. And another one for mine was Advent Children. Uh, I yeah. like the movie, but it has a lot of issues nowadays. Honestly, they could have sound issues too, like misaligned sounds. They could have. Well, that's because of the lip syncing, but no. no, it's more sound, not dialogue. Oh, really? Like uh, one of them has a baton that he moves across the ground and like oh, gets Reno. up. Yeah. And he moves the baton and it's not matched up. And there's just little things like that. That I will say with that one. If you just watch the fight scenes, especially the last half hour. It feels more like it's a music video than a, like yeah. a really good AMV instead of a um, movie, a coherent movie. Um, Honestly, if you just watch the fight scenes, including the last half hour, you could you could skip a lot of the middle shit. Uh, a couple other ones that really hit my list as well for honorable mentions. Uh, Iron Giant. Never been a huge Iron Giant um, fan. I thought the animation in there was really cool. Yeah. Uh, especially as a little kid. Um, the uh, movie Up. Uh, up, up was pretty close to hitting mine. Up, uh, I don't know why it's pulled not in my heartstrings so many times uh, throughout the movie. Toy Story three was high on my list. Yeah, I was, just kind of figured that someone else would choose a Toy Story. Exactly, and then um, Lion King. Because uh, yeah. I loved the I'm music. I'm surprised I didn't make anyone's list. But. And um, Hercules. <laughs> Hercules. I'm not a huge Hercules fan. I, um, love I enjoy Hercules. it because it got me into Greek mythology. Yeah, but yeah, then again, you kind of look kind of like Meh. you kind of look back and it's like, wow, they got everything wrong. Yeah, and yeah. I so, cannot. The last one I'm going to put forward is honestly another Don Bluth one of uh, American Tale Two: Philo Goes West. Yes, because yeah, that's one of the big ones I remember for, as a kid, and it was just so awesome. Yeah, I'll also throw in uh, I'll throw in Avatar because that's like ninety percent animated, and I think it's just unbelievable animation. It has issues, sure. It's all I'm, story I'm, issues. I'm not I'm visually. Not, I didn't say anything definite. Why you keep looking at well, me? Visually, I think it's unbelievable. And I've never argued that it, it looks amazing. It has story issues in that movie. Um, and, and one final one for me is Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I enjoyed Kung Fu Panda. I, Jack Black is a fun ride. Overall, I thought it was a really is it good. Jack Black or Jonah Hill on that one? Uh, Jack Black. Uh, that <laughs> one Jonah I thought Black. was a really <laughs> good, uh, like Jack Hill. animated popcorn <laughs> Jack movie. Jack Hill. 
Um, that actually sounds like a really cool name, too. My name is Jack Hill. Jack Hill. I'm here to kill you. That sounds like Jack one Hill, of those. I'm here to kill. That sounds like, actually, Jack Hill sounds like it should be the uh, protagonist of some sort of, like, action tween book series. Um, just saying. <laughs> no, the Punisher's Apprentice. We have Frank Castle and Jack Hill. My name is Jack Hill, and I'm here to kill you. <laughs> okay, Jack Hill. Alright. So anyway, that is our is top five animated movies. And with um, a decent amount of honorable mentions thrown yeah, in. Yeah. A lot of honorable mentions. Next week, because of Captain Marvel coming out, let's do top five comic book movies. That works for me. Sure. Comic book, graphic novel, manga. Wow, movies. that's that's gonna be e- that's gonna be easy to narrow down. Give us a challenge, why don't you? Yeah, yeah no. right. Um, so anyway, um, to end off this episode, the movies coming out this week are Medea, Family Funeral, and Greta. Yep, kind of a dead week for movies. Uh, Greta at least looks somewhat interesting. Yeah. Maybe Greta. Otherwise, I'm probably going to catch up on some of the stuff I should have been looking at, like yeah, Alita. Yeah. Like catch Alita. Up on Definitely want to check out Fighting with the Family because... Well, also, the Oscars are this weekend. Yes. Oscars uh, are tomorrow. Yes, they, for us, yes. We'll be doing watching that. Watching that. Um, Give we'll us the rundown. rundown <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> Give okay. us a rundown on why should we should be angry X1 instead of Y. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good luck, people, that I actually want to win. Um, and yeah. then I'm going to guess that Medea Family Funeral might win the weekend because uh, apparently that always happens. So... Why? I don't understand Tyler Perry. Uh, I'm gonna. Me neither. I'm going to bet that uh, How to Train Your Dragon: Hidden World will can yeah. carry forward. Probably for the next week as the top box office hit. I wouldn't be but surprised. It's a good family film. Yeah. Anyway, that is the end of this episode of the In the Can podcast. My name is Devin. I'm Tom. James. And we will be back next week, and you will hear us and all that great jazz. But we need to work on that ending. Right. Bye. <laughs>